Hello, I'm Eagle, Eagle Gardens, Eagle Gardens 1 on Instagram, and this is this fucking talking shit with Eagle, episode 573. Hopefully you guys are having a great evening. I sure have. Got a great guest, fellow podcaster on the show tonight, Doc Calix. How you doing, Doc? How you, you want to tell us how you're doing, of course, where they can find you, my friend? Yeah, of course. Uh, you can find me on Instagram. My personal girl page is at Doc underscore calyx i also have the podcast page on instagram which is calyx underscore underscore crew underscore podcast um you can find on youtube deezer stitcher spotify all that good stuff and again i thank you for hanging out buying us another night for the community to hang out and talk a little bit of shit amongst themselves while we talk so thank you for that my friend hey, thanks for uh, you mentioned you were rolling you mentioned you were rolling something up. Uh, what what you smoking on? Well, what would you be smoking on? Today? So this last grow, we did a big pheno hunt of Swami Organic Seeds uh, Paki chocolate tie. It was a Pakistani chocolate tie crossed, and then he crossed it back to the chocolate tie again. And there's so many good phenotypes out of that hunt, but we found one that we're calling the dumpster pheno. It's not it's not skunky it's just like rotten wet garbage like that nasty stuff and that's the stuff i seem to go after like the more offensive it is the better it is to me um and this one this one was just incredible so <laughs> this one will keep me up for the show cheers yeah nice, nice. cheers to you as well i'm gonna be smoking a little bit of uh milkman from empire Preeting co little bit of cereal milk times his uh gg4 v or uh barbecue gorilla v2 is the most like that good stuff man that milk that cereal milk comes through if you haven't had that cereal milk uh i just had it for the first time it was very nice good turps it's it it's kind of i was hoping it would come through heavy in the cross yeah, it's creamy and it's kind of light, but it's really delightful. Like the terpenes that are there are very, very pleasing. Uh, first time I had I had gotten the seeds from uh, Mr. Tight there. I do some testing for him and I had them in the ground, but I hadn't had a chance to try the cereal milk yet. And I was up at one of these events in northern Michigan and I come across a vendor that had some of the cereal milk and uh, we rolled that up and you know it's good when you're in a circle of very talented growers and as that's being passed around everybody's looking at that going what the hell's that <laughs> i was like yeah yeah i can't wait for that to come off yeah <laughs> that's bad that's bad so uh we you get know, to know it's when for one the first fact when I came on IG that was already growing that was kind of already out there and shit. And I remember the first time I really started paying attention to your grow page, the Eagle Gardens. Uh you had just posted like a 10, and I was like, God, that's a beautiful canopy. And uh it was not even a day or two later that you actually showed your wall where you had like 
four or five, you know, what you got behind you there. And I was like, wow, that's a lot more than I saw yesterday. <laughs> this guy's awesome. So congratulations on all your work within the cannabis community as well, man. Oh, man, thank you. That, that means a lot. It really does. <laughs> so what we try to do is we uh, uh, try to get to know the people behind some of the cannabis pages, some of the podcasts. Uh, I talk to everybody here from the guy that's got one to two plants from the commercial grower, anybody that's got a genuine love for the plant. We try to get to know a little bit more about them, a little bit deeper, how they got started and all that. So I start every show off with the basic question to get it rolling. When was your first experience with cannabis, either seeing it or consuming it? I think I was probably a freshman in high school. Um, and that was back in the dare days, you know, dare keep your kids off drugs. That one didn't work very well. Uh, <laughs> but the more that I heard about it, the more I was interested in it. And back when I was a freshman in high school, uh, I, I was a bag boy at a local grocery store. That was like one of my first jobs besides working for my dad out on the farm and stuff. Um, and when I was a bag boy at the grocery store, I would stock the magazines and stuff like that. And I would always see high times. And that was, you know, through a world of boring ass magazines, that was the one that always stuck out. And I found the, the flowers on them were beautiful. And it wasn't even a couple months after that. So we're talking like, oh three oh four um one of my buddies he, he was my best friend growing up he was good friends with a lot of the local indians and whatnot and they gave him this huge bag of seeds and we had like this little crawl space over at his place and we put like a chicken's heat lamp down there and a bunch of like seedling flats and through a bunch of these we didn't even know what number it was but they just they called them northern light seeds so you know, the best I could speculate was they kind of looked like NO2 from what I remember, but back then we weren't good growers, you know, that was kind of our first, first experience with it. So we had a bunch of these string bean, like lengthy seedlings that were had three inches before they even had cotyledons and they're all over the place. But the very first time that we flipped it to like a 12-12 schedule and you see that stretch and those first pistols start shooting out, the second I saw those white pistols, I just fell in love. I saw everything that I remembered from like the High Times magazines and shit. And uh, I just instantly fell in love with the plant. I didn't know it was going to be who would make me today. You know, <laughs> back then it was just like, oh man, I can grow my own pot now. Hell yeah, this way cheaper. <laughs> but that's kind of how I got started with it. Um, and then after we grew indoor, we kind of, we moved outdoor. We grew a few plants outdoor. Uh, we did some gorilla grows and stuff like that. And then uh, probably like 10 years back, somewhere in there, um, I'd started growing with some friends again. I'd gone off to college. I wasn't growing, wasn't doing anything with the plant um, for a couple of years. And then I came back, started doing more outdoor growing again. Um, and then we finally got like a nice ass greenhouse. And I don't remember what the size on it was, but it was a full size. Like we had an air intake, we had an exhaust, we had supplemental lighting. It was, it was amazing. 
Um, and it was a piece of shit when we had it, but we fixed it up really nice and we were doing a ton of that. And I think besides like feeding the plant and understanding what nutrients did for it, I was never really into it. I wasn't a, a grower per se. Like I wasn't studying it. Like, how can I make this better? How can I do this better? And then it was about that time, like a few years before I came onto Instagram, um, where we got the greenhouse and I was like, you know what, I really want to see how to push this thing to the limits. And we were finding such good cuts because we were able to run so many plants in that greenhouse um, that it was like, you know, I need to take this indoor again. I need to revisit indoor and see if I can get some better quality. Um, so then I started doing that and just the amount of uh, the hypocritical information that was going around on IG or even some of the forms back then, um, I was like, you could just save people so much money you know, when they have a question, they reach out to you in your DMs or something. If you know the answer to it, answer the question, help them out. If you don't know, try to find somebody that does know the answer, you know, and kind of guide them that direction. So they're not, you know, new growers fuck with their growth so much. And a lot of the times less is more. So <laughs> it's been this whole journey of how can I save people money? How can I help them with their growth and get them off to the right start? And so uh, after I kind of figured, you know, I, I got enough bearing, I've been doing this for enough years and I understand the plan enough, um, I feel like I could reach out to people and, um, you know, kind of tell them, you know, where the better genetics were lying. You know, a lot of a lot of new growers will jump on seed auctions or whatever with just, you know, <laughs> there's so many scammers out there and whatnot. I'd rather just guide them away. Um, and help them out with their growing. That's when I started the Calyx and Fruit podcast. And we started talking directly with the breeders and getting some of the information of, you know, there's so many uh, people that fight over where this strain come from, where this strain come from. That's not what we're doing. It's more like, okay, this is what you were working with. Where did you get it from? What's your story with it, you know? So it's been a lot of fun doing that. Do an awesome job as well. I gotta tip my hat to you. Man. So uh so let's get back to a little bit of the growing side of things there. Uh so what what age where was it when you did start to grow outdoors? That couldn't have been the freshman year. Uh, did you oh, go no, no, no. from straight no, straight we, to we were indoor when when I was a freshman, when we got those seeds, that's why I said we were, we had like a little crawl space over at his house and we'd like dip into the crawl space and there was like a little concrete room, like an old bunker. And we fucking right. set everything up in there and grow in there. It wasn't until like a couple of years after that, that we did it outdoor. And we only did that for a couple of years. And then I had a couple of years break. So I don't know when we, when we came back to indoor growing, it was probably around like 2010, I want to say. 2012 shit's getting fuzzy <laughs> it's been a while oh nobody's documenting it you know what i'm saying nobody's <laughs> nobody's trying to call any bluffs here you know shit like that oh, so no. uh uh it's a uh, so at one point what when you first started smoking would you say yeah obviously it was on the recreational side uh, did when did you kind of find the medical benefit to it, or was it? Oh yeah, no, 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 yeah. Back then, I see what you're saying. 
yeah, no, it was strictly recreational. Like, I want to see what this shit's all about. You know, all my friends seem to be having a great time with it. Um, the medical side, when I started thinking about medical, um, that came back indoor. That was definitely when it came back indoor. And uh, we were we were growing everything. I heard realizing you know just you get certain smells like you go to your grandma's house your grandma's house has a certain smell and that brings you know certain emotions about you you smell that smell somewhere else it reminds you of that it might make you happy um so i always thought it was pretty cool that that sensory memory kind of played into how these terpenes affect you like there's so much more going on with cannabis than just thc CBD, THCB, all the all these different uh, cannabinoids, you know, the entourage effect of how those flavonoids and how those terpenes kind of work and even the balance of each one can just change it dramatically, you're high, you know, and when I got into that wormhole, it's like, wow, this really is amazing. And, uh, you know, they the typical stoner, you know, well, you just haven't found the right strain, man. <laughs> I'm not saying it's for everybody. But uh, it, it's definitely something that needs to be explored to see what works for you, because it's not every strain that's going to work for you. I mean, we all know this. Um, we've been smoking for a while. There's some stuff that your buddy might love that just does not work for you at all, um, or you don't appreciate the high on it. I totally agree with that 100%. And that's part of the beauty of cannabis, in my opinion. Uh, it's a, it, there's such a wide variety of it available. I'm always impressed uh, how, how the different cultivar flowers can look so different. Well, yeah. you know, it's all cannabis and they're slightly different cultivars, but I mean, there can be quite the difference in appearance oh, yeah. and flower from one to the other. It's a, they are a beautiful one nonetheless, but it's uh, it's nice to see the different changes. Oh, yeah, for sure. And that's a big thing that I appreciate about it too. When we got into like pheno hunting and whatnot, you know, the first time you crack a bunch of seeds, and I'm really into like land race heirloom and true hybrids, like the older the better, um, just because that's the stuff that I remember, you know, a lot of that stuff growing up. Uh, when cannabis first started having actual names um, and going back to some of that old stuff and getting some of those old flavors, even like white rhino or something like that, you home grow it now in this day. It's not, it doesn't taste the same as the stuff that we were getting back in the day, just because the amount of information that's out there now, um, you know, a lot of people grew really good plants back then by doing less, you know, or growing up soil or these super soils even, I'm sure you're very familiar with that. Um, you were a pretty big Subcool fan, right? He had a great soil mix. Um, the Rev had a really nice one. Um, but the more I went down that KNF living soil hole, I, I really appreciated the terpene expressions that I was getting more um, during these pheno hunts. I felt like I was getting a lot more return on the terpenes than I was when I started with like organic Synganic bald nutrients. 
but that's that's a cool thing you pop all those different seeds and you don't know which what to expect you know you might have a little bit of an idea of what the the region was like or the conditions these plants grow in um, but every part of that environment change changes the expression of the plants you know so really when you pop them open you're just kind of looking at all the different genotypes and okay these are short and wide these are broadleaf narrowleaf um, these ones are a bit taller and there's those, those different expressions but like you were saying you nail that one down like we really like that dumpster pheno um, so we'd save a couple of females off of it and then you grow it in a different environment. You try to grow it a little bit hotter or a little bit uh, colder. Or you try to put a little bit more light on it and all these little changes in the environment can kind of change that phenotypical expression of that cultivar. It's a lot of fun seeing that. Um, when we grew the packy chocolate tie in a warmer environment, like up to 85 degrees, it would put off a lot of tie traits. Um, the buds were really thick, like a packy, but they'd start getting fox daily and whatnot, and they'd start looking tie again. Um, the leaves were super, super narrow on it. Um, but then when we grow it in like 78, 79 degrees, the buds would be a lot tighter. They wouldn't foxtail hardly at all. They'd take more of that packy structure on, and the, it still retained the tie leaves, but they'd get a little bit wider. So it's kind of cool to see all those different changes in them. How many different cultivars have you been able to, uh, to grow in your oh. cannabis experience? <laughs> <laughs> That's a hard one, man. Oh, there's there's been a lot over the years. You know, some of them don't stand the test of time. You kept, you keep one and you like it, and uh, it might ride with you for a year before you're like, eh, this isn't for me anymore or uh, even a couple years before, you, you know, there's just something that you don't like about it and you're like, nah, it's not worth it anymore. Um, it's very rare that one stands around for quite a while. I think the cut that I've held on to the longest um, was a Blue Magoo Backcross twice that I got from Dynasty. And we, we did a big old uh, pop on that one. And I found this one phenotype, all of them, it was Backcross twice, so it was very, very inbred um or very stable i should say and it's it's expression um so we weren't finding a lot of difference but there was one that i remembered out of that that we had in seattle one time that just it was so blueberry and musky and delicious and a lot of the phenotypes and or through those through that pop that uh we found they had like this pine behind them or they had like a, a greenish pine behind the berry and that's not what I remembered from it. So we finally did nail down this one plant. And uh, I've been calling it the Smarty Spino. Uh, but it, it's fucking beautiful and doesn't have that pine in it. It's just super berry. And I've held on to that cut for like four years now. But a lot of this stuff, if I like it, I'll, I'll just, you know, return it to seed and then do an outcrossing of it somewhere. Can you describe the berry on that? Uh, usually when I find the pine and the berry together, I, I describe it as kind of a dragon fruit kind of flavor, but it does have a little berry to it. It's hard yeah. to describe. It's, it has, but there's it's still there, berry, but it's fruity. It's yeah, like I would fruit. say it's like the difference between, you know, you got some berries like blueberries or huckleberries that are, or nah, I guess huckleberries wouldn't. Depends. Montana huckleberries are really sweet. <laughs> um, 
but the, you got those berries that are sweet and then you have berries that are kind of tart and i feel like when it's kind of paired up with that pine it kind of takes on more of the the tarty berry flavor if that makes sense and it might just be how it pairs with that fucking terpene i'm not sure it, it's weird because uh here, I, pine is one of my favorite terpenes. I can get that pine tar. I, I really enjoy it. And I've ran several cultivars here. I've had them sent to me from California. The J1, super pine, Jack Green Sox sent it to me. I've had Xmas. I've had fucking Tiger King. I've had a few other strains <laughs> roll through here that had that pine in it. And then there's something in my environment that refuses. Uh, in fact, uh, Mr. Toad was on the other night. And I think we're kind of on to something yeah. there. Uh, that refuses to let that pine come out. I'm always getting a slight pine on the back end, but it's more to the berry dragon fruit, kind of what I call it there. Uh, but yeah. It's, Do you it's remember this, ever getting more? more of those terpenes in your grow before you change something? No, no. I've never really changed. I've only been here for five years, so I've never really chased the pines since I've been here, since the last few years. And uh, so what me and Toad, what Mr. Toad were talking about or what he had suggested, because again, the J1 came from California and definitely when it was there, expressed a heavy pine that's why i sent it yeah i got your pine brother here it comes you know and it got here and ran it out i ran it out under fucking hbs i'm running out under led wow uh in both both instances same thing you know and it's it's almost a, a joke these days i live in the middle of a forest a pine forest and some say i'm not pine blind or Maybe they're, they're suppressing. Now, I don't think that's it. But I think Mr. Toad kind of was on the right path there because the, all this time up until Toad, I was uh, I was kind of asking the community, I'm like, man, there's got to be some way of deducing what's wrong with the, the environment or the pressure because of the turp suppression. You know what I mean? There's got to be a way to back backtrack it you know what i mean and uh couldn't figure it out it's been kind of a joke you know even i passed uh the columbium strain here that uh, we're doing a memorial cross for to mr smiley and he's already saying out of the environment in his environment it's expressing the vibe so but what we're what we're thinking and i've noticed i never really put it together until mr toad said something about off-gassing there's actually like a, a sewer drain, like right, can't see it, right over there behind all that pile of lights. There's a 12 inch drain. And this isn't, uh, and he's, he's trying to, I just had recently, cause I kind of noticed like a, a sulfury ish smell coming from it. So I capped it, you know, put a, a, a tray over it with a weight and kind of try to close it off. But he was suggesting that there was some kind of gas, uh, uh, like they use basically uh, for 
ripening fruits. I forget exactly uh, the gas that they use for uh, ripening fruits was coming out of there or some type of mix of possibly sewer gases coming from there that was suppressing the pine turps, which made perfect sense. You know, that's the only thing that's that bad. there that I can say would be different than any other grower that's grown yeah. out the strands. That's why community is important right there, getting all those different perspectives to kind of narrow down an issue like that. Like, how does somebody, <laughs> that's quite the thing to fucking deduce there. Find that, how these gases are just all those different things that can happen in a grow, you know? There's definitely some smart people out there these days, man. We were talking about that pre-show, uh, some good content out there. You know, things are cool. The growers starting out these days are so lucky to have all this information uh, out there from when, like I started 20 years ago. There wasn't information like this, man. I would have been so blessed to start, start right off the bat with all the good information that's out there, man. It's a blessing right now. I've yeah, absolutely. A home grower, cannabis grower in general. Where'd you get some of your first information from? <laughs> Friends that were already growing. He was <laughs> stupid enough to, uh, I was actually buying my cannabis from him for the longest time and he ended up giving me a cuts, a couple cuts, to kind of with the mentality of, yeah, you won't be able to do it. And I never bought any cannabis from him again. <laughs> so, uh, lot, most of it, what I had picked up was, you know, from hanging out in his grow room, listening to him uh, brag a little bit there. Nice. Which, oddly enough, this is the, the funny part, Doc. You may appreciate this. This is way, way before Michigan had legal cannabis or medical cannabis. This gentleman was growing cannabis to put himself through medical school. So nice. Fuck yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I'm I always say, think it's they're, funny. They're not blind to it. It's just, it's the powers that be, <laughs> you know? <laughs> There's only one person stopping. I think most of the world is on board now. Even the people that don't smoke, or at least most of the people that I know that don't smoke, they still have no problem with it. They just don't use it themselves, you know? It, it's been, it's been absolutely crazy. You know, I got arrested for cannabis, um, once say in 06 i believe it was in 06 and uh with minor in possession intent to distribute and uh when i got arrested for that you know my dad was fucking pissed and my dad used to smoke cannabis back then. he used to smoke cannabis when we were growing up you know when we were still really little um but he stopped you know he's being a dad figure and whatnot and i don't blame him for this at all but he he just 
they nailed my ass for that. Both my parents were upset with me. And now they see what I'm doing with cannabis now. And that's not just, you know, oh, hey, man, how's it going? You know, it's, there's actual information behind that. There's actual medical benefit behind this plan. There's so much that we can fix about this planet using cannabis. Uh, and they see that now and they're totally in support of it. You know, my dad, actually, I got my dad growing again. Um, he'll just grow a single plant outside, but, but he's fully in support of it. And even my mom, who's very, very, uh, centered religious, you know, she even, you know, will say, yeah, no, there's nothing wrong with this plant. So I don't, I don't think there's, That's awesome. I, I know there's lawyers, I know there's nurses, I know there's all kinds of people that smoke, um, just in my personal life alone. I've met fucking we talked to Duke the other day, Duke Diamond on the podcast. And uh, he was explaining how he was like an instrumentation tech, like anybody in the world can smoke cannabis. It doesn't matter what you do, doctor, lawyer, does not matter. Cannabis is good for everybody and it's for everybody. I love to hear the conversion stories, uh, the people that uh, don't smoke cannabis, but now think, you know, have changed their ways, their mentality on the plant. Uh, I actually love hearing that, the, you know, the vindication for cannabis these days, because uh, it was unjust. What they, what they tried to run down our throats as kids, you know, we see now was totally unjust. Moreover, I think as far as like the medicine and uh, all that goes, I I believe the pure part of the medicine comes from the cultivation side. There sure is. Absolutely. It has its weight medically, but I think it has just as much impact the cultivation side of it, you know, especially if it is your medicine and you're taking the time to cultivate it for yourself, giving yourself that can-do attitude and creating your yourself a lifeline if you will it's very powerful absolutely i talked to uh chef sebastian Croce. i don't know if you know him i talked about him or talked with him on the podcast and that's one of the things that we were talking about was uh no matter what the natural medicine is that you're trying to get part of that therapy is the actual um taking place the actual happenings and the actual doing of cultivating, you know, just having that time, that's something to do, um, something to focus on is a huge part of it. And we've seen that for years, um, you know, with any medical treatment at all, a big part of it is having something to do, having an outlet, no matter whether you uh, lift weights or you go out and you run or you cultivate cannabis, having that hobby, having that something to care about, focus on. And with cannabis, you have you have to pay attention you have to be there you have to nurture it you know you have to take care of it it's not one of those things with indoor cannabis where you can just water it walk away for a week in most cases and just hope it does well you know like out, out in the sun that's much more forgiving especially if you plant your plants in the ground they can kind of acclimate um but that's not the case with indoor growing so it does take a lot of focus it does take a lot of attention and 
when that passion takes hold, you know, there's so many wormholes to go to and there's so many things to focus on, read about and learn. It, it's, it's insane. That's what, that's what started all of this was all those different wormholes, you know, how can I grow cannabis better? Okay, well, I, I need to follow like a living soil theory or a super soil theory or organics are better. And there's just all these different wormholes. And then where do you go from there? Okay, well, how do I build a no-till? How do I, how do I take care of this no-till? Oh, what are microbes? Oh, what's this microbe do? Um, you know, there's just so much, everything has something else you want to know about. And that's when you're, you know, that you're passionate about growing cannabis. You, know? you care about that quality. You care about what you're doing with your product, no matter whether you're growing salt, whether you're growing organic, just putting your, your all into it and making sure you're putting forth a good medicine for people. Oh, it's a, it's an amazing curve. Uh, it is, man. That organics, especially, uh, is a deep, deep rabbit hole. Deep. And it, there's so many different directions. Once you get into fungi, microbes, and stuff like that, man, you can definitely stage left for a minute before you go deeper into other stuff. But it's funny that uh, as you take on that curve, man, lots of people do it so they can... Uh, start growing better cannabis but along the way uh the education of how to grow the plant they tend to grow themselves <laughs> as they, especially as they get down the the organic side of things man it, you you tend to learn to be a better steward overall yeah. you know of this plant and then it kind of transfer I, that's the part that i think is usually funny is you know we set out to do it for the plant and then we're all at one point, we dipped down that organics road, and we're like, huh, I can really start composting some shit around the house. <laughs> I can exactly. uh, start doing, applying to what I'm learning to a garden. <laughs> yeah. You know, and that was that was my big rabbit hole with uh, KNF was when I was introduced to Chris Trump, and uh, he taught how to do water soluble calcium from eggshells and it's like oh my god i don't gotta buy this shit anymore like i use eggs all the time i could just clean this make some fucking calcium give them a foliar and they're happy like <laughs> that was a huge rabbit hole for me it's like i can not like you were saying with composting i can use the stuff around my house and i can get it thick there's more ways than that that you can use it you know everything is a nutrient and when you take a plant outdoor and you throw it straight into the ground, you know, in most cases, not all over the US, um, but especially here in the Pacific Northwest, we have a really, really nice uh, loamy soil kind of where we're at, it gets a little bit more clay, but it's a very nutrient rich soil. Um, and when they can acclimate to the outdoors, when they're used to living their, their whole life out there, especially a taproot plant that can just shoot down into that soil and really spread out uh, versus a clone cutting, you know, if you're growing from seed, uh, they can just, they really do take care of themselves very, very well up here. Um, and that's just not the case indoor. Like you really have to build up a good soil. I remember um, when I first come back to indoor growing, it's like, okay, well, what's a good organic soil? It's like, oh, I need, I need a happy frog. I don't know if you can get sued for that. I'm just saying <laughs> happy frog, ocean forest, 
um, and use the ocean floors for like flower, use the happy frog for bloom, but then I'd buy like the, the bottled nutrients that uh, Roots Organics had too. And there was like seven different bottles and as a new grower, you know, or somebody that's finally kind of trying to figure it out, throwing seven different balls together, mixing those pHing, that's like so much to focus on, you know, as a new grower, it was like, just set myself up for failure. So then it was just, how can I make this easier on myself? And then how can I be more organic and how can I get better terpene retention? So when exactly did you dive into the K and F uh, side of things, man? That's that's a deep hole. <laughs> as far as this like goes, man, that, yeah. that one. Yeah, yeah, I'd say about four years ago, we were growing with the the roots organics line, like I said, and that took quite a while to figure out. Especially, like I said, seven balls for somebody that's just trying to figure out what they were doing. We did that for a couple of years. Um, and then I got into top dressings and I wasn't happy with how long it was taking them to break down by themselves. I still approve of top dressings, just, uh, you know, relying strictly on that and trying to time it where you've applied your top dressing and it's going to hit the plant when it needs it. And you're being more proactive than reactive, you know? Um, and then I started getting into like, I was testing out all kinds of super soils there for a couple of years. Um, I did subcools, I did coots, um, I did swami or the gas mix. Um, oh, and I did the revs mix too. The revs mix was a lot. <laughs> that was that was a complicated soil to mix. And it took me a while to kind of simplify that where I like it. Um, but growing all those different ones, and I really appreciate the super soil, but there's a lot of work, you know, going back into re-amending it testing your soil, seeing where your nutrient levels are and stuff like that. If it's something that you're, you know, re-amending, letting it cook and waiting um, while you got some new soil to throw in there. So it's like, okay, well, I want to completely avoid this now. And that's kind of when I went into the KNF no-till type of, type of style. It's like, how can I make this easier? How can I reduce my waste and produce a better organic flower? I'm actually kind of interested in the KNF uh, myself, but man, I find that to be such a deep rabbit hole already, man. Uh, once I start Bokashian around here and brewing things, they are going to be upset with me around the house already. That's why I said that when I dip, started dipping my feet seriously into organics, I was like, man, this is gonna be a fine line between not going full balls into Bokashi and wanting to, to take care of everything I can around the house. Yeah. Reusing everything, you know? And so I definitely see the value in it. The more and more people I talk to, being able to IPM purposes, use the environment to feed your plants, uh, why wouldn't you? You know what I mean? 
you know, I, what I've kind of learned in some of the research and uh, that type of thing, regenerative farming, KNF, <laughs> some of these big farms, what they should have been doing responsibly to begin with, they're coming back to now and waking up to it because of cost factor. They yeah. could have been doing it all along, but now that they're going belly up for most of the prices and whatnot being thrown at them, they're forced to being able to cut costs, cut costs. And now they're looking into regenerative farming and everything else they can do. And they're like, wow, <laughs> this is the cheapest, awesome. And my farm's never been better than it ever has. And they should have, you know, they could have, should have started there. Instead, they're going. I don't have any hate for salts at all. Um, I know there's the the big, you know, IG communities that are like, oh, salt growers and organic growers. Uh, I don't care. I just care that you're growing a plant. Honestly, that's what I want everybody to do. Fucking grow a plant. Get into it. The big thing about me going the organic route and not the synthetic route was when I was growing up, my dad was a farmer. He was an agricultural farmer. We had peaches, or not peaches. We had pears. We had apples. We had cherries. Um, and we had a lot of farmland. So I was kind of able to run around that farmland growing up and be around agriculture, grow up with it, learn how to farm. Um, and we'd have a field worker that would come out and he'd come out once a month or whatever and he'd say, oh, you need to spray this, you need to spray this, you need to spray this. You know, you need to feed this, we need to spray this. And it's like, and it's all chemical-based stuff, and it's hardcore stuff. There was a stuff that we used to um, spray that was, I want to say it was called malathion or guthion, and you'd go down the orchard grove, you'd spray that, and you'd see birds falling dead out of the trees. Like, it, it was hardcore stuff, and that was, that was way back when, you know, it was 90s, but um, it, it just, the stuff that they'll spray on, and this is fruit that's going out to you, you know, and that's no hate on my dad, that's just how farming was back then. Um, but that really was a deterrent where I was like, there's got to be a better way. You know, you pick an apple off a tree before it's hit the su supermarket, you're looking at it and you go, wow, I've got to, I've got to wash this, you know, there's white powder all over it and chemicals and shit. It's just like, man, and this is what we're consuming. You know, it's this big, this big scheme with a lot of corporations, you know, that, oh, this is going to kill it. I mean, push this, we'll mark it up a lot, you know, and sell it to all these farmers. And, you know, I mean, most people around the United States know farmers aren't typically well-off people that can afford a lot of these nutrients. So why can't we grow better fruit um, while also helping the planet, you know, reducing our waste, reducing our costs? I mean, I don't see a a downfall. I don't see a downside to it. I don't see an X factor. <laughs> yeah, I agree. Uh, it's sad uh, that they will push at some points to kind of the maximum yields and, and to kind of be converted over to salts as we go on a larger scale. So I've, I've had a couple of farmers on people from farm history, but I never asked them the question out like they asked you tonight. So with the farm background, how do you what are your thoughts necessarily on 
the larger scale of cannabis growing, you know, uh, farmers wanting to follow the cash crop. Do you see, uh, how do you feel about that? And do you see it's any kind of environmental impact from the shift? I mean, lots, I mean, weeds, corns and stuff, a lot of what they know, the bread basket are growing right now. If they divert over to cannabis, that's not necessarily as edible for the food chain. You know what I mean? That may be nibbling on the farmer's fields and stuff like that. Do you think there may be a huge impact? Because at that point, again, we have money involved and then there it will be companies wanting to dump nothing but salts on the fields again because they don't learn from history. You know what I mean? Do you think, do you see a huge impact, environmental impact, or what's your thoughts on the whole? I, I would. Uh, I would say there's already been a huge impact from it. Um, this isn't anything new, you know, we've got uh, multi-billionaires that own most of the farmland in the United States. And these companies are typically around salt-based nutrients. Um, and that's a big part is erosion of the soils into the, into the seabed and even poisoning the ocean. Um, there's a lot of, of, X factors that come from that style of farming. Um, it's understandable why they use it, you know, um, especially like I, I was listening to a podcast the other day that was talking about Morocco and a lot of the Moroccan cannabis nowadays is on drip irrigation lines and they're feeding it with synthetic nutrients. Why? Because they're, they don't really have a soil. They have a really rocky mossy bed. So it's more like an outdoor hydroponic system. So it's kind of crazy. Um, so there's a lot of different X factors. Where is this cannabis being planted? Um, even with uh, apples and stuff like that, apples never came from the United States. That was something that was introduced. And I believe they came from, from the Russian Tibetan area, like somewhere in there. I want to say it was Russia though. Um, and there were wild apples and they came over. And anytime you bring something, especially with agriculture, you bring some other plant life into an area that's not used to, one of the things that's gonna happen is yes, it's gonna have a bad, it's gonna have some kind of effect on that microclimate. Um, and it also depends, like we said, what kind of nutrition they're being fed. Are they giving, getting organic nutrients? Are they getting synthetic nutrients? Um, even in that, there's a way to run synthetic nutrients really cleanly. Um, but eventually it's got to end up somewhere, right? So yeah, it's, al it's always going to have some kind of effect. The thing about that is when you plant something, and that's like the difference between land race and heirloom is when you take something from somewhere else, it's not putting off that same expression that it would in its home environment, right? You take it somewhere else, it's got to learn to acclimate and express itself where it's going to grow the best in that environment. Um, and that's the same thing that we're seeing with apples and all these other things is they're adjusting and they're being bred to kind of work with that environment. But that does take time. And while that time is being taken for that plant to acclimate to that environment, it is having some kind of effect on it, whether, um, you know, the soil food web is a huge thing and that's a deep dive. You know, you could really get deep into that question 
as far as, well, now this plant life's being eaten by this animal and this is affecting the feed of, you know, these predators to that animal. And it just goes around and around. I hope that answered your question. I'm already high. <laughs> That's a deep wormhole. Canvas in general is a deep wormhole. That's what I love about it, man. There's yeah. so many facets to it. So uh, are you currently growing outdoors as well? Which is, which do you prefer for indoor, outdoor, greenhouse? Yeah, sounds like you've had uh, some. Well, see, that I've told people for a long time, right now, I'm all about indoor because there's just so much. I'm still learning about indoor to this day. Um, we have our own Discord for the for the podcast. Um, anybody can sign up for it. It's completely free and the link's in my bio. Um, but you can go in there and there's so many different types of growers that are doing so many different types of things that I've never even tried before. Um, we've got one guy, Shiggy Flips, he's awesome. Um, but he grows in those sub-irrigated planters. Have you seen those? I remember yep. seeing them back in the day. And I had a few local people to me that were using them. And I was just like, man, that's a that's a lot of work. <laughs> you know, here I am fucking re-amending all my soil and shit. Um, but I've seen some of the results these guys are getting off of it. And I was like, you know what? I wouldn't mind doing a, one little sip or a few sips with like a scrognet over it. I think that would be a lot of fun. Um, and I asked him, I said, has anybody ever done this like in a no-till style? Um, because you don't really use a cover crop or anything with a, with a sip system. You know, they usually put a cover over it. Um, and that, that was really interesting too, because then all that moisture kind of condenses on the top of that, that plastic and it creates like a rainfall effect back on the soil. I thought, that just natural process was so fucking crazy. Um, so I was like, yeah, I might try this out, you know? Or even like scrogging, I've never scrogged. I've always done like multi-top plants, um, single top plants, natural, uh, you know, or I, I've staked and supported a lot, but typically with pheno hunting, I'm growing a lot more plants in a lot smaller pots. So, you know, I'm not gonna scrog out something that I got in one yard. <laughs> So I'm being introduced to these new, these new styles, and it's pretty cool. New to not a fan of the scrub, not a fan. You know, I've run it. <laughs> okay, times. can I ask why though? Because I think it's the same reason that I never did scrub. Well, for one is I can't get in there and manipulate the plants as much as I'd like to. Yeah. Uh, leaning over because it's always in a four by four playing with the shit in the back you know if you lean on that it doesn't take long to really kill the lower back oh to yeah get that shit in the back exactly uh, what I've done it. harvest man i could probably go on and on and on uh harvest but one of the big things is being able to not uh manipulate move the plant uh, back here in the setup that I got, everything's on plant movers, uh, 10 gallon pots. So I can actually, you know, one handed, if I need to get in there and do some defoliating, I do what I can reach and then spin it. Defoliate, spin, defoliate, spin, 
or right. just a daily Mr. Tight method of, you know, giving it a quarter spin every day if you want to get that, you know, about it. But yeah, I like to get in there and be able to do what I got to do. And the other reason is I like the flop, to be honest with you. I don't necessarily stake till the last minute. And I don't really believe, you know, not staking early and a little bit of root pruning, we'll call it. <laughs> That's what I call it when I you know, lay down staking. A little root pruning. Shake. Yeah. They'll hit. You know what I mean? There's, there's, at that point, there should be, yeah, there should be a lot going on at that point. But I believe letting them grow up, uh, like I kind of do, and letting them stress and flop a little bit is stress that's creating uh, more chirping production and uh, uh, more uh, THC, more trichome production in general. I like that stress, you know, if you're growing out before, that's what you're going to get to help, you know, I think people coddle the plants a little bit too much as far as not letting them do their thing and flop, you know, keeping them nice and pretty. They, they're uh, robbing themselves a little bit of terpenes and shit. Oh, yeah. Some of my favorite grows were like, the old HPS grows where we wouldn't we wouldn't support anything unless it needed it. If I saw okay that no branch yo-yos. in a little too bendy, why don't you see the yo-yos anymore? I still use yo-yos. Still use the yo-yos. Fuck them, they're awesome. <laughs> <laughs> they're awesome. Um, but yeah, that back when uh, we did HPS grows, we had a four by eight and we had two six hundred watts on each side. Um, and some of those grows we were doing like a, I'm trying to remember what we were growing at that time. It was like a sour diesel cross, um, but they would throw off these massive, big fat colas and they'd be flopping all over the place. And yeah, it was just a matter of, okay, that branch is bending. And that, that was kind of like a sense of pride. You saw the bend, you know? Um, but then you reach in there one day and you're like, okay, you're bent a little too much. And then it was just so convenient just grabbing a yo-yo and boom, you know, we're good. You just got to set it where you want it. <laughs> Press the button, let it hold it. Yeah, no, I and I still miss those HPS grows. I feel like I'm getting, I feel like I'm getting better trichome production, better trichome populations. I feel like I'm getting stronger terpenes and overall denser buds, um, you know, as much as one can express more, just that spectrum of light, you know, the orange light kind of just produced a little bit of a fluffier bud. Um, but the yield was so beautiful too. So it was kind of like a payoff, like, okay, these buds might look a little bit smaller, they're a little bit denser though. Um, and you got better resin production versus this big old donkey dick, if I can say that. <laughs> and yeah, it might not be as sparkly, but damn, look at that thing, you know, and some of that bud was really good back then. That New York City diesel, we grew New York City diesel for a while, and that was always a killer. The the, the yield on that was great, um, especially for a diesel. Um, and it, it wasn't the sparkliest stuff in the world, but man, it would fucking rip your head off. great strain right there that's one of my favorites 
you know, as you can see, I, I'm not hating the HPS either. You know, <laughs> right. they're not broken. They're not broken, but I, I, I run a multiple multitude of uh, LEDs, panel bar lights, and shit like that as well. And I, there's still a learning curve there as well. Absolutely. You know what I mean? Oh yeah. Most of the ones that RPN put out now, I feel are a little bit too strong for the environments tents that they're being thrown in. Man, a lot of extra money for something you're gonna dial back. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's uh, definitely something I've seen is using a lot less power on them. You know, um, that's been cool, but. I, I have a hard time. I'm like, I'm, I'm a stubborn son of a bitch. So sometimes it takes me a while to get with the times. Let me ask you a question. How, how do you measure um, your distance from your lights to your canopy? Like, do you use a PAR meter? Do you check PPM? I don't. What do you do? Well, the, most of them are fixed. As you can see, these HPS are behind me are fixed. Uh, I okay. kind of use my hand necessarily. Uh, them are all 1,000 watts behind me, 4 by 8 tenths. I love it. I love it. My guys so, are asking me that. I tried. One thing I said is that's how we check shit. <laughs> like, is it comfortable or not? <laughs> Well, you know, I find that only kind of really works with these HPS, though. Oh, you yeah. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. The LEDs, <laughs> it's a little bit different of a game there, man. It's harder to unlock those. But, yeah, you know, basically, if my hand can't take it or I can feel it, it's might be a little it's about right. But, I, you know, <laughs> foot, foot away from them, I find doesn't necessarily cause any bleaching or ill effects. Uh, I'm not hating at all. I miss my if age. they tend to grow up, I'll I'll pull them back. I actually will stake on an angle. I'm kind of known for that. Just kind of one one on a sixty and pull that branch back and open up a little bit more room for things in the center. I don't really necessarily like what it have done. The last minute kind of super crop or bender over a little bit. Man, once some buds, you know, are growing mostly <laughs> yeah. this way and they have to switch and go yeah. this way, yeah. something that's challenged. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And that's, you know, it sounds like it's pretty damn similar between how you're growing and how we grew when we were, when we were doing those HPS. It's about the same thing. We were spreading them out, you know, um, really stripping them up, letting them, you know, return and kind of get used to their canopy again and then flip them you know and that was that was a big part of it and yeah some of the guys in my discord they were laughing at me the other day because they were a lot of them were talking you know newer stuff like the ppfd meters and or, or the par meters and ppfd and all this stuff and i'm just like this is still how i grow like i just watch my plant see how it reacts and you know i'll go from there adjust accordingly <laughs> but that that's that old stubborn mentality from those HPS growths because that's just what I'm used to, you know. With a lot of that information, it was just you do it, and if it works for you, then you keep doing it. 
you know, as far as like the LED side of things, man, I try to find, try to follow somewhat the manufacturers suggest hang rate, but uh, I usually same thing. I leave them right into place, and because they're usually pretty good sized plants when I flip into them. So I'm already kind of worried about them chasing the light up anyway during stretch. I'm already figuring out ways to manipulate them to stop it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I've learned several ways over the years to kind of slow them down at that phase. But uh, I said this the other night and I showed some pictures of uh, uh, bar light, little Pro Max 660. And uh, every th- things grew up and passed in some cases i actually manipulated the buds to where they ran between the bars because <laughs> they kind of overshot there but i think that at that point man they just kind of learned to accept that light that led transfer that energy a little further down if not just kind of shut themselves off and let that energy go a little deeper the plant has a natural ability to acclimate no matter what you know the conditions are they deal with a lot more stuff outdoor as far as okay well what's going on with the lack of light here this plant might be behind a bush getting shaded a lot more they'll still find a way to grow that that's just cannabis's job is to find i find that I was appreciating early on uh, you kind of uh, preaching, not preaching, but suggesting, I don't like to say the preaching, suggesting the simplicity method, method towards cannabis. Uh, because it's true. It with the, That's the only downside to the current flood of information is I think people are too quick to try to incorporate every little trick into their grow just because top show talked about it this week it needs to be taken directly into the grow room why too you know what i mean i think what i've what i've always tried to preach from day one and i, I said the word well i'm gonna say it because it, it's not it's not my advice I'm telling anybody to follow. You know what I mean? I tell people to take in, watch these shows, see where the dots line up. And they, as you, as you watch these shows, you will undoubtedly see the truths line up. You know what I mean? Right. And then run, run with your method from what you see lined up, read into what the page says in front of you after you've seen, but you don't have to necessarily I seen this, I seen this, I seen this, I seen this. At some point I I appreciate a lot of the super great and technical information on some of these shows. Oh yeah. But in some of these point, I think it kind of uh scares off some of the newer growers or think they have to be that technical. You know what I mean? To produce a flower and like I you know. Again, I appreciate it for the people that are going or trying to take it to a more 
technical level or appreciate what you're doing in the soil or you're trying to go take it to that next large scale method but in, and a lot of times i think you know for the most part the newbie it's just scaring them off you know they watch one of these shows here a lot of these technical terms and stuff like that and they go oh oh shit i might want to get a book or you know what i mean uh but it is like we're talking, it's a beautiful, resilient plant and it's there for you to make mistakes on. It's a learning curve for you both is what I found with Janet. Yes, absolutely. You know, and that's one of the things that I talk to my guys about in the Discord and I welcome anybody in there because th there's guys that grow better than me that have been growing a lot longer. You've been growing a lot longer than me, you know? Um, there's so many people that you can learn from and so many people have their, their specialty or their style, you know? Um, and I think it's kind of everybody's job to find somebody that they like, that's been doing, um, something that they want to do in their own growth, something that they want to incorporate in their own growth and everything that that person does is not going to work for them. They're going to have to change something. They're going to have to run things a little bit different. To, to dial in their environment the way that it's supposed to be in their conditions. Um, so then you start following other people that do something along the lines of what you're looking for there. And all these little pieces that you're pulling apart from everybody's grow to help your own kind of is what develops that style. And I want it to be as welcoming as possible for people. So we go in there and we say good morning to each other every day, you know, and it's like, wow, we're just supportive of it. It doesn't matter if you're growing like a little one ounce, three gallon plant or whatever, you know, we're just going to try to make it better next time, you know, or try to get it as good as it can be. And I, that's a big part of it is being supportive because if you have a new grower that comes in, like I did, you know, it was really hard for me when I'm going, okay, there's seven different bottles that I got to mix up. Like, do I need this right now? Is this chart right? You know, how much nitrogen is too much nitrogen? By the way, seven milliliters. <laughs> With that one. That oh, one. that's one thing I, I do not miss about the, the bottle shit is you're caught in it, man. Especially yeah. once, you know, some systems, there's so, so many pieces to the puzzle. And I think uh, a lot of them are being put in too much because they're in, well, there's so much excess, so many pieces to the puzzle. And then once you decide you want to get out of that in particular uh, brand or whatever, you're locked in the system, especially if it's a multi. That's the worst ones to get in because at that point, as you kind of pointed out, you got eight pieces to the puzzle. And now you're like, I'm going to quit this thing. I hate, I hate this lineup. But as soon as I'm out of everything, I'm going to quit. But you run out bottle by right. bottle. So, right. I, <laughs> <laughs> so at some point, you just got to got like eight bottles that are still three quarters of the way full. You're just like, <laughs> yep, yep. <laughs> you got to call a loss. Yep, exactly. So, uh, yeah, I had a goddamn it. I had a question for you on that one. Um, so when you were using bottles, what bottles were you using? Man, I have went through 
a bunch of testing phase. I ran uh, the Blue Planet nutrients for a long time. I ran, uh, of course, Fox Farm, which Fox Farm was. Everybody's done Fox Farms, yeah, man. <laughs> it's yeah, there. I, it's there, man. <laughs> <laughs> it's sad, but true. The Biomarine, uh, the General Hydroponics, the Bio uh, series there, uh, I used for quite some time. I was really happy with that lineup until this was like a game changer with me. And that with nutrients and organics as well is um, they had a, a Biomarine, which is like a, a squid based on uh, uh so i went to the, the grocery store picked up a bottle i never even thought about it and i was in need i was out and i went to the local grocery store which i didn't really care for to begin with you know the guys from right from the get i watched give bad advice and just want you to oh, throw great. more money after more money after more money after shit and it, the, well the game changer with me with that cat was the worst hash advice i had ever heard he was like man yeah i just beat it up into a cooler and i let it melt and when i get out of that the next day i'm like the next day you know <laughs> and it was just <laughs> It was all just no airflow. Yeah, 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 yeah. It was just, oh, it was completely bad advice. So, so basically, he sold me a gallon. I bought by I, I I'm cheap. You know what I mean? And that was the harder thing about getting out of the bottle nutrients because I I'm not buying the quarts because I know if I buy a gallon, I'm getting a free quart at least. You know what I mean? By buying the gallon, I'm saving already and I'm getting a free port. I like that free, 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 free. So right. I buy a gallon of the Biomarine and I get it home and it's a holiday weekend and I pull the cap off and the seal's already broke. Oh. And it God. is friggin' rank. And it never smells good, right? Never smells yeah, good. No, there's, there's a difference. <laughs> so I kind of, you know, I this at this point I'm very naive on organics. To be very honest, you know what I mean. I'm taking the word for the manufacturer that what I'm putting in the, you know, on my plants is organic and all this other bullshit. And I pull this off and I'm like, oh, man, I don't know. It's just organic. Oh, yeah. And I dumped that shit all over my plants, <laughs> like two applications, and it just, oh, it was so bad. So, so bad. And then after that, man, I started checking bottles before I bought them. You know, I'd pull the lid off, make sure it was sealed and shit like that. But, man, it's a horrible experience right there with you. Oh, but, yeah. Uh, oh, you know, so, and that's one of the things that I loved about KNF is I could take all this stuff that, you know, some of it you would never eat or taste in your life, you know, but 
all these different inputs that I can make, they're edible for people. You know, my OHN, I can drink my OHN, my FPJ. Yeah, it might be made out of dandelions and shit, but I'll dip my finger in it and taste it, you know, and it's actually pretty damn good. We've been making dandelion tea for years. A lot of people don't know that, that dandelions were so widely consumed. Um, but you can take things like this and make it. And not only is, you know, a lot of these bottled nutrients, would you take a swig of it? Probably not. (laughs) Sorry, you got a problem. (laughs) In most cases. But yeah, like my OHN, my vinegar, these are all things that we consume. Um, They're good for your plants and they're good for you too. And I think that's a big safety net for a lot of growers is knowing that what they're putting in there is something that is natural. Um, It's nature. We're just speeding it up, you know? Yeah. I completely agree, it, man. It did, like we were talking about it earlier, man. Uh, microbes and all that other good shit, man. I, that was a nice side turn for me. I got lost. I'm still lost in the fungus and microbes, to be honest with you. Man, it was uh, very eye-opening. The cycle, what's going on in the site, uh, the soil, and what's going on in our gut biome, you know, our second mind. I think that there's no coincidence to uh, it all, to be honest with you. I'm becoming quite the hippie, <laughs> uh, if you will. The doors that are being opened with uh, the micros and stuff like that, gut bio, uh, yeah. how we can culture good and bad. You know, we try to culture certain microbes in our soil for our, uh, our plants, but the same can be had with our gut biomes, I think with white sugars, I think same shit, man. You start culturing them gut, that gut biome, <clears throat> excuse me, with, uh, with the wrong sugars, you know, syrups, corn syrups, white sugars and stuff like that, man, you instantly promoting a different gut biome. You know, it's not good anymore. You're promoting the bad, slows things down, starts some bloating. Same thing with the soil, man. You start cultivating too heavy to one side, get the wrong end there. Oh, you can oh, yeah. have shit go south on you. That's for sure. <laughs> and that's why I was saying with the nitrogen being too much, you know, I've, the only reason I laugh about it is not because I'm making fun of new growers, but it's one that's been there, done that, you know, a few times and back. And because I'm one of those people, like I said, that's just very stubborn and hard headed and I need to learn the hard way sometimes, you know, Um, and I've had those plants that are fucking clawed because I wasn't being conscious of what I was feeding them. Um, And it was just like, oh, (laughs) like Duke Diamond said, plant green, plant good, you know, (laughs) I always love that fucking term. Um, But yeah, that was kind of my mindset with growing is it, it, you overthink a lot of things. Okay. Yeah. My plant's green, but it's lime green. Is it, is it not dark enough? Is it starting to starve out of something? Just, you know, instead of looking at it, it's praying, it's happy, you know, let's, let's write it out and see, you know, and you can start learning, um, through all those practices, you know, the warning signs of, Oh, does this plant too hot? Is it too cold? Does it need nitrogen or is it too much nitrogen or am I getting calcium deficiency? You know, whatever it may be. 
Um, and you start reading those warning signs for that. And it's just experience, just like anything else. You want to be a photographer. You're not going to be a great photographer because you read five books on photography. You're going to get good at it by going out there and playing with exposures and shit like that. Every sort of art in growing cannabis is no different. Um, it's farming. It's an art. It's a passion. And it takes a lot of experience, you know, to really do it right. My first uh, experience with anything close to KNF was completely accidental, but noteworthy right off the bat was uh, making hash. Yeah, that's with you. And oh, really? uh, so, yeah. And so I was making my bubble hash and I was seeing all this water build up around me. It's super turby. Man, I wonder if I can add this back into my plants, to my plants, and have that turbines come, you know, rushing right back into the plant. So I, I let it sit overnight, and I cut it in half, and then I watered it into my plants, and they love that shit. Now every time I, really? I save every every bit of it for never done that. Oh, they will thank you. Yeah. The next time you make some bubble, it's everything they need in that water, man. Oh, they, yeah. Sure. They'll be praying to that light. They'll be, the, the turps in that room will be so strong, you know, the, the following few days, man. They'll be super happy. Trust me. You will so, you, so you did like more of a Dom type thing. Like, you, you you said you make the bubble hash and then you let the water sit out overnight. Yeah. Okay. That's what it is. Yeah. So like more of an anaerobic style. I wouldn't. I dare say anaerobic because it's not sitting that long. Again, I don't know how long it takes to turn, but I I, I would. Oh no. No no no. I'm not I'm not dissing on it at all. Um, but if there's no, you know, oxygen movement within it, you're not brewing it like a tea or anything like that. You're just letting no. it and then feeding it first thing in the morning. If anything, I'm letting it warm up because yeah. <laughs> it's too <laughs> cold to give directly to the plant, basically. Gotcha. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Oh, okay. That's really cool, man. Yeah. And that's going to help with it too, is staying cold before it you know, acclimates to the room temperature to be able to feed the plants. That's cool. I like that. I'm going to have to try that out sometime. This is the Goose Bay Blueberry crossed with the grapefruit from uh, Relic Seed. This was one of the ones that we hunted recently. It was a lot of fun. I have a lot of love for that old grapefruit and I've been trying to find things that he's crossed the him and solo are both really working that grapefruit. And uh, I've been trying to find some of these grapefruit outcrossings that I like more than the grapefruit because the grapefruit is one of my favorite ones of all time. And I just, they're good. Like I love grapefruit. So everything they outcross it to, like I'm going to find something I like out of it. 
but I haven't found anything that's better than just the grapefruit yet. So you were saying earlier on that you like the funky, the funky rank. Uh, so what has been the funkiest? I mean, cannabis can express so many different turf profiles, man. I've heard pepperoni, you know, dirty <laughs> diaper, fucking piss. Oh, yeah. You know, what, what's been the rankiest profile you've come across so far? Man. Or how do you interpret it? I should guess I shouldn't say because how your nose pick it up and you describe it can be. The ones that I've grown personally, I would say this one that we just got that we got we hunted and found the the um plant that we liked was that dumpster pheno. That one was really, really that one's rank. But it's a different kind of rank. Like I said, it's like, it's not skunky. I wouldn't say skunk. I would just say like, if you ever let your garbage sit and like you get that wet, nasty one that you're like, oh, I don't want to take this out. <laughs> like that's kind of what it smells like to me. Um, it, it's just offensive. And that's the kind of stuff that I like outside. And I can't believe I'm going to say this because I'm not the biggest cookies fan in the world. But I will say... Uh, that meat breath by Thug Thug. That one was really stanky. I've never grown that one, but every time I've smelled somebody else that's grown it, it's been like overly, wow, that thing is offensive, but it's a good offensive. I know exactly what you're talking about. Uh, it shit is very loud. <laughs> very loud, but on. Fortunately, what I've found with anything kind of cross with that is a super long flowering time. So that's ends my, my love affair with <laughs> anything that uh, 12 weeks or better, uh, I kind of cross the line at, you know what I mean? And I know that's where some really nice, potent, psychedelic cannabis lies is after that 12 weeks. But I just don't have the patience for it, I guess. Or uh, it doesn't meet the cycle, the perpetual, I guess. I don't blame you. It's, you know, and that's one of the funny things about me chasing after some of these old ones. Like, I, I just love it. I don't know how to explain it. I like getting flavors that I don't see in a lot of cannabis these days. Like a lot of, I'm, I'm not hating at all, but there is a lot of stuff that's using the same genetics you know and so there's so many similarities there's a lot of stuff that's just like okay this smells like that and that and that and that and just i want to find something different i appreciate finding something that's like holy fuck this one tastes like cinnamon or this one's got fucking peaches in it there's just something that you don't see very often and that's what i appreciate about these but uh we recently uh got done with a not recent i guess it's been a while now um, but we got done hunting the Egyptian land race, the Sinai. And uh, there, were, there was two main genotypes out of that. There was really tall, more sativa-leaning plants. Um, and they typically put off like this lemon pine, like a lemon musky, spicy pine type of deal. And then like 25% or less, I even had friends that popped like 50 seeds of them and didn't even find this genotype at all. I 
that's how rare it was. But for me, it was, it, and it came from the same stock, um, but about 25% of them were broadleaf and they were shorter and bushier. And those phenotypes would have a thicker bud and they put off a peach flavor. And that's what I really wanted because I'm not a breeder or anything, but I, I, I am interested in breeding and I'm trying to learn more about it. And I appreciate fucking around with these genetics and seeing what I can create. And one of the things that I wanted was I wasn't finding a peach terpene in a lot of the genetics that were out there. And I found a lot of the peach genetics that I were getting were more along that like clementine mimosa where, okay, it's not peach, it's just an orange flavor, you know? It's another orange, it's a different orange. Um, but I want something that truly tastes like peach. So I found the terpene that was responsible for that and it was granule. And it said granule was really good for stress, depression, which is something that, you know, I take cannabis for. So it kind of hit close to home. It's like, wow, I found a terpene that I really love and it's really going to work for me. Um, so I was really, really interested in that hunt. We popped a lot of seeds and I found that the only plant in that population was that broadleaf dominant plant that would put off that, that really heavy peach flavor. And even at that, some of them were kind of low on the peach and they would put off more, that granule would express more as like a rose type scent. So then you have an even smaller population because these ones are the ones that can, you know, have that linked genetic where, um, you know, broadleaf and peach, but then you have the subsection even within that population of, okay, this is more rose, this is more peach. So then you're even more limited um, <laughs> I'm still kicking myself in the ass for this to this day. Luckily, I have a friend that worked with the, with the narrow leaf dominant, and I don't regret my decision at all, um, because we do have that mother now, and she's beautiful, and she tastes like peaches no matter what, whether you grow her hot, whether you grow her cold. Um, it, it's a really, really beautiful strain, but when we were smoking it, when we were doing our final smoke, I like hazy stuff but I like clear headed stuff. Like a uh, professor did a lot of work with like the Cali mist and the Cali mist is like, that's very up, but it's very clear headed. Yeah. I can get about my day without, you know, like some of the original haze ones where you're just wigging out, you know? <laughs> and uh, when I went through those, I didn't know what to expect from an Egyptian land race, but they are a sativa. Um, technically they're more along that like hazy type structure um and that hazy type smoke they really got a spiciness to to the narrow leaf phenotypes but when we were smoking these the broadleaf dominant my peach she would make you more chill she was kind of relaxing she wasn't a put down at all um but it's very even keel it's not the most potent stuff it's not going to knock you out but that's not what i was going after i wasn't going after potency i was going after flavor i was going for that specific terpene to see if I could breed into something else that would, you know, add to what I want her to be um, while crossing over that terpene or seeing how that terpene reacts with different profiles and what it's dominant against um, or what it's recessive against. And uh, when we smoked the narrow leaf, those ones were way opposite of the spectrum. Like I said, they were more like that hazy and they would be very, very spicy and lemon. And I didn't think much of them at first and the buds were kind of in, they're really fluffy and kind of, you know, just nothing to them. But there was this one phenotype that we smoked or, and 
I was sitting out on my back porch and I'm smoking this joint of this, uh, this lemon one. And we rolled it up and I'm smoking it and I'm sitting out there. And you know, when you're sitting outside and all of a sudden the clouds part and it just like brightens up, somebody turning the dimmer up, you know? And I'm sitting there smoking, not thinking much of anything, really clear headed. And uh, all of a sudden it gets brighter like that. And it was like, oh, wow. And I looked up in the sky and there wasn't any damn clouds in the sky at all. Like it was a clear ass day. And then all of a sudden I could hear the birds chirping, but it sounded like they were right next to my ear. Like my auditory was just completely expanded. And I was like, wow. And I didn't save a single cut off this one at all because I just, that's not what I was chasing after. That's not what I was looking for. Um, but it was pretty impressive how, how psychedelic and potent that one was. It even almost make you feel like the ground was doing that wave, like when you used to smoke when you were a kid, or like you'd lay in bed and get the spinning, floating feeling, you know? I miss that. <laughs> so with uh, breeding in mind in the long run, <clears throat> Uh, and Pete's being uh, a, a turf profile that you, you're kind of coveting and enjoy at the moment. Uh, are you more suited to try to find you a peach female, or do you want to try to find that peach male that may? I mean, how do you how do you look on how do you plan that? I guess introducing it into something else. Uh, in my opinion, that's going to come from a well-worked uh, male that you kind of know that whatever you throw him at, he's going to bring that peach. You know what I mean? That add yeah. that to it. So, uh, how do you prefer? How are you going to go about sustaining it in your line? Are you going to try to find that peach male, or are you just going to have an in particular peach line with what you find, and then find multiple my moms? And maybe so what I already did, that. what I already did out of that one was I wasn't trying to do a preservation or something um, that that's not me that's not what I'm trying to do I'm because anybody knows like if you want to get into breeding I'm not saying I'm the head authority like I said I'm not a breeder at all I'm just you know figuring this out I have a lot of friends that do it and they've been teaching me a lot about it so I'm just trying my hand at it I'm just playing around and having fun um, I've given out a lot of seeds and had people test them, but I haven't, have not sold a single seed and I don't plan to anytime soon. Um, but one of the things that we were doing that I was taught, and I'm definitely seeing this reciprocate in my work, is uh, when you want to change something like that, if you have a very, very dominant female, the male is more so to unlock different traits about that female that you want to bring into it. So if I'm trying to add color, I'm going to find a male that's really colorful and breed it to a plant that I want to have that color because I want to introduce it into it. You have to realize there, there's so much and that's big wormholes right there. And like I said, I'm not the leading authority on this, but I've definitely seen that um, be, being a big factor in it and a big thing um, being keeping the vigor going to taking something that you want, working it, introducing that trait into it, stabilizing that trait somewhat um, among the population, and then re outcrossing it again to something else to kind of reintroduce that vigor. That's been a big help to me, too. 
Um, but what I did with that Sanai is I just took my female that I really liked and I let three different males that kind of matched her, um, broadleaf dominant short um, hitters. So I kind of did a, I did a bigger population of them, but we also kept a cut of that mother as well. And that's the mother that we're gonna react with a couple of these different males to see what we can unlock or change in her in a hybrid, you know? When I think of multiple males, uh, I kind of think more for preservation purposes than I do kind of necessarily uh, a breeding project. So what are your thoughts on, you know, the, the importance of kind of in breeding and keeping a proprietary male? Uh, it all depends on what you told Would you rather see your breeders have several studs they work with or would you rather see uh, yourself and other breeders? Is it that big of a deal to constantly change the male? Uh, you know, and this is something that I, I, I tell my guys too over in the Discord um, is everything has its place. No matter what type of breeding you're doing, everything has its place. That guy that's selling crap seeds for $10 a pack and that guy that's selling them for $300 a pack, they have their place. Um, inbred lines, you know, if somebody really wants something that's been, you know, a true breeding plant, then you might want to start with an inbred line so you're not finding a dip, a, you know, a shit ton of arrangement of genetics that you have to go through. It's really beneficial to work with something that's been that's been worked like that, especially when you're trying to pair this trait with this trait. Well, if they're both true breeding for that, you know, you can, it's a lot easier to find out what the possibilities and the end product's going to be. Um, now, when it comes to diversifying that population, I think that's more important for people that are trying to, especially like with me, it's more of an interest of I don't start anything out assuming I'm going to keep anything at all. It's because a lot of the times I don't know what to expect. It's like, I like things from this region. Okay. I'm really into ties. Am I going to like this Myanmar? You know, um, I don't know, you know, I might look a little bit about where it's from, um, but I've never grown it myself. And this is going to be, you know, this is going to be fun. We're just going to ride with it. <laughs> type of thing. Um, but in that case, I want to see different phenotypes. So I don't want something that's an inbred line. I'm trying to find something that's original and new that nobody's ever worked with before. Um, I've always been one to root for the underdog. So a lot of the new strains that a lot of people are growing, if I've heard that name like 10 times, I completely lose interest in growing it at all. I want to, I want to grow something that's different. You know, I want to see something that I've never seen before. So more often than not, I'm looking for something that does, you know, has been hit by a few studs, um, has been collected feral, or has been worked to the point where it's true breeding for a certain trait. So everything's kind of got its place, you know, Otto's got their place, fem seeds have their place. It all depends on what your goals are. You can't hear me unless I unmute. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't want to say anything. Uh, so, 
Oh, if you do see it, please point <laughs> it out, man. Please. Uh, so, with that being said, how do you, you let's say, breed your, you find a winner in that project, something you're very proud of? You've got a nice batch of seeds, and it's something that you, uh, you want others to have. How do you plan to go back? You know what I mean? Especially when you've got multiple fathers in there, you kind of, you've, you've kind of set forth a, a miracle moment. You know what I mean? It's tough to recreate that temperature, humidity, exactly what blue where. You know what I mean? How do you plan to recreate if you've come up with that winner with the multiple males? I mean, I think that's keeping a parental little stock, in my in my opinion, is very important to a serious breeder. And these days, even more so, I'm looking for, uh, I'm hoping for breeders to kind of dip their feet in. And they, I think the knowledge is close to being there to where they don't have to trust Philo's you know what I mean? I think we're close to being able to keep our own freezer at home and then being able to fucking rework that or whatever at some point, clean it up, bring it back. But that's the way I, in my opinion, I kind of hope breeders go, you know, I've, I've, I've put this forth. Uh, yeah, maybe I don't need this mailer anymore or whatever. I'm going to, I want to move forth. I don't have room. My tissue folks are mom and dad, so I can bring them back at some point and make another batch that's similar to what I've got if I'm not going to keep the parental real stock. Well, I mean, I, what's the answer for your it, scenario? It, again, it really, it really depends on what your style and what your goals are. Um, I've kept plants, like I said, I, I don't keep them too long. I really like going through seeds and find something different. And if I had something great, I might have a chance to find that same phenotype I had that's just a little bit better. You never know. Um, but I, th I think it's really important to go through genetics like that. Um, when you do want to keep something, it's a lot of my mothers, I'm running, you know, my mothers and my fathers, I'm running on very, very low lighting. I, I typically use like T5s. I use the HLG B spec for a while. Um, I've used the CMH for a while. Um, but a big part of that, especially in soil, you already, if you're doing soil in a living pot, you can keep, you don't need as much nutrition. You just got to keep them right and when they're mothers, you know. When um, it, so you kind of keep them under that low lighting. I top them very often just to slow them down keep them going and keep them in a smaller pot size for as long as I can. Um, when it becomes like outdoor season here in Washington, I'll typically take a cut. I'll grow it outside, kind of get it back into its natural environment, you know, and kind of reintroduce some of that vigor into it, retake a cut, uh, sanitize it, clean it, you know, keep it away in quarantine for a little while and then bring it back into the grow and then start the process over again. That's been a big part of it. But like I said, it really depends on what your your goals are, um, whether you should keep the original parentage or not. Are you looking for more traits of, you know, maybe you don't want this Cadillac OG or whatever. You wanted the father's side of the Cadillac OG a little bit more. So you're going to F to it and you don't want to use that male again. You want to 
take it this different route and find that trait that expresses a little bit different, you know, but if it is something that you kind of want to stabilize or you know that male's putting really good traits into it, maybe you do want to hit it all the way to an F3 and then back cross it again to that father. You never know, you know. So it, it, it's, that's a big part of it is like, what is your goals? Do you need to keep the plant around or not? Um, obviously there's some plants that, you know, and they're typically mothers um, that are clone onlys that, you know, just withstand time and somebody's gonna be taking care of that cut no matter what. And that's kind of when you know that shit's fire, right? <laughs> because it's been around for so damn long and there's a reason it's been around for so damn long. I just kind of think that once you change that perennial stock, it should be noted in the genetics, especially if they're being sold. Not okay. necessarily in your case, you know. Uh, that should be noted because obviously there's going to be new traits that come out in that second round. You know, I think at that point it should be noted, you know, this is V2. I'm working with a new man yep. or something like that. Uh, I think it's just... It comes in seed pricing too. We've talked about this a lot lately. Is the price of seeds? You know, everybody talks about it. You know, uh, I think they should actually. I'm a big supporter for uh, where they're at in the breeding projects. Uh, different pricing for the F1s, F2s, whatever. A well worked line. You know, a nice F4 where everything's coming up clone like, and it's the vision of the creator, I think that warrants, you know, a couple hundred dollars a pack, you know, the work's done for you, you know, at that point, you know, it's as close to the cut as you're going to get, in my opinion, you know what I mean? It's, it, it, it's worthy for a few extra bucks. So I don't know, I guess I'm, yeah. I'm a big component of knowing where things are properly labeling seeds these days yeah um, i'm a huge advocate for you know paying your dues and paying respect for the people that made those genetics for you do you need anybody's permission to work with genetics no you know once you buy those genetics they're yours um and you you can do whatever the hell you want to them do i think it's respectful and do i think it's the moral thing to do to say hey how do you feel about me doing this or something just reaching out or at least if you plan to sell the seeds that you made with that cut, I don't remember who the company is. You might um, remember, but there was a there was a seed company that was putting on their packages the mother and the father, and then they put like top dog genetics and something or thank you to these people at the bottom of their packs to you know pay their their respect to that. I found that really honorable, and I was like, that's definitely something that should be required. Um, another big thing, is, I think uh, there would be a lot less beefs in the in the breeder world if that happened you know more <laughs> respectful nods yeah yeah for sure and uh recently we talked to duke duke sent us a bunch of genetics out um big shout out to duke diamond by the way for that that was awesome but one of the things that i love about his genetics is he puts a little card on him let me see if i can dig one out uh, but he'll i'm sure you're familiar with dominion but he'll put his card or whatever and then on the back he actually has all this information 
about like the flowering time to grow time like he knows everything about these plants in and out he's worked with them for so long um, he's got stress notes pest resistance and i was like wow that is amazing you know that's next level shit for somebody um you know even some of these breeders that do the same thing but they put it on their website but it's kind of handy having a little cart like that where you can go you can look back to a pin it on your wall whatever you want to and refer to it you know oh this one's you know sensitive under high light you know whatever and i think i i think that should be an industry standard oh i do too i really do too uh back in the good old days where people gave a shit about the breeding and the quality of breeding you know I, i'm a very appreciated i can see you know you you'll have some ethics about your, your breeding projects as you move forward passionate about the terpenes you know and what they do and what they're going to be doing together as you introduce them together but I don't think a lot of people are going to do that in the future, man. It's the approaching recreational oh, no. market, man. I think we're, we're going to see right. more and more pollen chuckers. You know, it ain't going to be the Duke Diamonds that are labeling the packs like that. It's going to be the hype times hype, and it's kind of sad, right. really. If it's it's going to be people like yourselves that keep the, the, the community alive, basically you know that's what it's kept it alive before till now oh yeah there's people it'll, that it'll genuine it'll always survive it, yeah we already see it heading that direction you know we got the big corporations coming in um they're they're hopped on genetics already um like you were saying with like phylos earlier you got people that are taking these cuts they're making their collections they're ready for the the big turnover where they can they can brand these clones, you know, now you can't work with these genetics, just like we've seen in agriculture with tomatoes and things like that. You know, once they put their genetic patent on it, you can't work with that or you're going to get your ass sued. So it's really important right now to be preserving some of these genetics. That's I, I have way more respect for some of these guys that are that are, you know, like a seeds or um, any of these old land race genetic preservation preservationists that are taking the time to collect these genetics and repopulate them to share with other people. I think that's extremely important. The thing about why I say, well, it's not as, it's not as fun or it's not as pretty or it's not as uh, rewarding as seeing like a blanket of scrogged out buds is uh, you're working with a lot of genetics that are all over the board and, you know, they're used to being grown in this environment. And now they're all like, what's going on, you know, <laughs> with this artificial light? Um, or, or you don't know how to feed them. A lot of these have been acclimated to grow in really, really poor soil conditions, you know. Um, but I don't go after the land races because I'm looking for magic. I'm looking for something that can make potential magic. You know, I'm trying to find something that's really, really great from that stock, hybridizing it with something else that's going to be better because, you know, when we introduce those two genetics that are vastly different, you get that hybrid figure. And that's something that I'm kind of chasing after and trying to make something new out of. And then after I've made whatever hybrids I like, I'm going to kind of follow that down, you know, and kind of, you know, keep the traits that I want and then I'll cross for the ones that I want to introduce. Yeah, I've got a lot of those guys. 
got a lot of respect from the breeders that uh, start from scratch. You know what I mean? Pull each side from seed, do the hunting, and then move forth from there. Uh, I think uh, a lot of these, some of these people that are doing breedings with a lot of these cuts uh, are doing it for just the reason for hype. You know what I mean? They got that, that hype. They don't give a shit. They just want it on the label. They're going to smack it with anything as long as it's name, got name the Name to sell. All you, all you got to do, and that's what, well, and that's why we call it hype, right? Is all you got to do is hype it up. Like, you got these 10 good friends that really say, oh, this shit's awesome. All they got to do is gang up on these guys and say, oh, this shit's awesome. Then people are going to start playing telephone. And then, boom, that shit's hyped up and it's got a price tag because everybody's asking for it. It's just marketing. I, I believe that uh, when if there's a line drawn that you will probably find yourselves on the medical side of the breeding there. But do you think that uh, as the legal markets approach, breeding will be geared just towards you know, high THC numbers and the medical side just completely left behind. I, you know, I believe the terpenes and you know are a bigger part of the picture. It isn't just the number that's being pushed. Uh, so, do you think that people will be breeding strictly for hype or people names? You know, people recognize just will the heart and breeding be taken out by legal cannabis? I guess. So, I'll answer that question like this because I have friends in the rec market. I've got friends that grow good wheat in the rec market and really treat it right. They're few and far between, but they're there. So I believe the rec market's got its side, but here's the thing of kind of where the future of cannabis is going with this shit is, I don't know how the laws are all over the world, but some, some states are doing it right, some states are not doing it right. Um, in Washington, here in Washington, our rec market is horrible. When you go in there, right now what's selling is hype. Why? Because the number one thing when you're buying that product is going to be the bag appeal on it. Because here in Washington, you can't go into a dispensary and open up a jar, smell it, and go, oh yeah, I like the smell of that, or anything. It's like, here's a package. Does this look good or no? you want it. So the only thing that's selling in Washington right now is bag appeal. And then what's the next thing that you're going to go after that? If you, you know, a lot of people are consumers, they're not growers. Um, so what do you go after if you're going after it with that perspective? You've already gone off bag appeal. So what's left? Well, I don't understand what terpenes are because I'm not that much into it. I'm just a user, you know? Um, oh, but I know about THC and that shit gets you fucked up. So the next thing is that THC number, you know? And that's where it's important for people in the community like me and you and a lot of people that are probably going to be watching this. Um, you have a responsibility to teach people about the benefits of this plant because that is a huge part of it is that entourage effect. It's not the THC level that's going to fuck you up. I've had shit that's 12% that fucked me up better than that 32% hype shit 
that was freeze dried at the rec story <laughs> it tasted a lot better too um but th that's not what it is it's how these flavonoids how these terpenes how these styles um how the arrangement of them and how they express in different environments all of these things um even and i'll even go farther and do it like that i'll bring it all the way back to the beginning of the stream where i was talking about terpenes and sensory memory if you go over to your grandma's house and you get used to the terpenes of her house, those different scents that are being put out, and it brought you happy memories as a kid, you might go somewhere different one day that's not your grandma's house at all, and you smell that, and it reminds you of it, it tells your brain to be happy, you know, and I think it's more, it, there's more to it than just what's in the plant, it's how that plant makes you feel, what it brings back into your subconscious, and even further than that, the company that you're around with it, the mood that you're in while it's affecting your cannabinoid system. You know, there's so many things that are going on with it. The THC percentage does not matter at all. You know, we've seen a lot of bud that hits you better that has just a little bit of CBD in it or a little bit of THCV. You find these different, these different cannabinoids that play into that, you know, that profile and that shit will treat you better than, you know, 32% THC with 2% terpenes and, you know, <laughs> just crap. But like I said, everything's got its place. And that's where those ones have their place is in a world where bag appeal and THC percentage persist. think that uh, big money will bank on just a few strains and dictate. See, I can tell by the tone of your voice, the way you're speaking, we're speaking of medicine, not necessarily recreational cannabis. You know what I mean? Uh, I believe that smell, that terpene profile is very important. I've bitched about that moment where we lost that here in Michigan. Same thing. You how many times have you sat there at a table, 30 strains back in the good old days when you could just smell the jars and you could, you could, you didn't need to smell all 30. You know what I mean? Yeah. You went, uh, uh, uh. Wow. That's it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. And yeah, that's, that's how what they it was never that number. Your nose told you which one was going to work best for you. You mm -hmm. know what I mean? That it's very strong. Aromatherapy, you know, all in itself is basically kind of what we're using the terpenes for anyway. We found that aromatherapy, essential oils, has a big place. So why don't? Why isn't that a big part of what our cannabis should be? They're putting off the same terpenes as essential oils. Why can't we be choosing them? Like you would therapy. I need this terpene for this. I need lavender for this. I mean, you know what I mean? You know, uh, why not? It should be a huge factor in, you know, yeah. how cannabis is being chose in bread. You know what I mean? I think once we uh, start eliminating them factors and go large scale to what research has shown them that uh, this is uh, our highest producing THC strains and you know this name works best and this is T 
t-shirts of these cannabis strains. Now we're down to 14 or like you've seen it happen with alcohol. We're just now being able to because it can be brewed at home seeing a comeback of more flavors. But if they had their way, we'd be back down to fucking Budweiser, Pat's Blue Ribbon, Miller, and you know, the, just the basic few. But uh, it could be that with cannabis. If they could try to dial us down to, you know, and it, it won't be a medicine at that point. Talk about smelling jars, it'll be all lost when your medicine's cookie t-shirt, here you go, this is what works best for you it's yeah and that's exactly what i was saying you know like it's really important and i find it everybody's responsibility to educate people on cannabis you know you don't have to be a bastard you don't have to talk about cannabis 24 7 you know but you know if you're in company bring it up talk about it um if somebody has a question or they're having an ailment ask people how they are uh, that's really important in you know the day and age that we're in right now with um, the pandemic and all. There's a lot of mental health problems that are you know erupting from all of this, and I think it's important to reach out to your people and just you know take ten minutes to say hey how are you doing, um, even people that don't smoke cannabis, and see if there's some way that we can incorporate it in their life if they're willing and educate people on cannabis because that's the only way that we're going to be able to keep this alive. Um, It's always going to persist. It's always going to persist. But I'd like to see it not just persist, but thrive. You know, I would like to see it being grown in every fucking yard. I don't think it's anybody's goddamn business to tell you this is how many plants you can have. You know, you're not going to tell me how many fucking tomatoes or potatoes I can have in my ground. You know, it's, it's a plant. At the end of the day, it's a plant. You know, there's a lot of other shit that we can take out of there and smoke too that's going to fuck us up that you haven't, you know, <laughs> you find out that we're starting to use it. And then you're like, okay, now it's illegal. Like, it's because not only how many, off. but how much it can produce. You yeah. know what I mean? They don't tell you how many fucking tomatoes you can grow. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, that's. It's bullshit. There's limitations they're putting on cannabis. And and that was a big part of it, you know. In like the back when we first started growing, a lot of it was sea green with the indoor stuff. Um, because we you know, we didn't we weren't taking cuts and stuff, we were strictly growing from seed. So it was like, okay, we'll do this one crop, we'll make a bunch of seeds, and that'll last us for a couple of years, and we'll just do like a bunch of you know, one gallon pots and okay, well, I could take one plant and veg it forever, throw it in a gigantic pot and fill out that space too. So why am I getting in trouble for this same space of a hundred plants that I could do with one plant and you wouldn't get mad about that? Doesn't make any sense. They're so it, it's set it's so hypocritical. Yeah, I don't like to see because we're limited by numbers. You know, I you can get good yields from the sea of green, but I don't like to see it because we're limited by numbers. I for bigger plants, just like yeah. you're saying, pull them back, use them more wisely. Uh, hopefully, you know, I I I like the perpet- the perpetual uh, is the best way, and you never run out of cannabis. Basically, uh, it's never overwhelming <laughs> the work. You know what I mean? Always something to do. 
so many pluses to a good perpetual. Yeah, and it keeps you in your numbers safely in your numbers. Helps keep you safely. Do you know Hoda Herb at all? Yeah, he'll be on Saturday. Oh, right on. He's a shout out to Hoda. Um, he was another guy when I when I first came on IG that was around. He helped me kind of learn how to get into. He was one of the guys that introduced me to KNF for the first time. Um, but we were talking about it back then when he he was doing rice holes and shit like that. Um, and I was like, oh, what's this KNF stuff? But he was kind of one of the first people that helped me out. Um, and I really, really appreciate that about him. Um, I don't remember what the fuck I was going to say, but yeah, Hoda, you rock. <laughs> you know, one thing I took about away from the biggest thing I took away from my last Hoda uh, interview was uh, more or less the thought of meditation, cannabis and meditation. Mm-hmm. But he, he seemed to be kind of a gentleman that was one, you know what I mean? Uh, so I asked him very, you know, do you, do you meditate, Hoda? And he looked at me all serious and he said, all the time. Every time I use consume cannabis, I'm uh, pretty much meditating. You know, meditating basically is clearing your mind, controlling your breathing, so basically, every time or most times I try to consume my cannabis, I like to step outside and just let my mind kind of fade into the nature and take in deep breaths, slow deep breaths, and let my mind fade into kind of a meditation state. So, yeah, it's like, yeah, every time. Every time I'm in the garden. Cannabis, I'm in. Indeed, fucking using can uh, meditating with cannabis. Another thing I took away from that um, statement was uh, consumption of cannabis. You know, a lot of times, myself included, we grow multiple cultivars because we say we, you know, we just get sick of them. You know what I mean? They they don't work as well. You know, I'm. I'm, cannabis isn't working for me as well. What I found from that instance from Hota, where I was fucking up in my own consumption, was it wasn't the cannabis that was letting me down. It was how I was consuming the cannabis. Not diversifying? Well, not necessarily diversifying. It was kind of this the old mentality of you know doing the same thing over and over and expecting different results oh Mm -hmm. if i'm in my environment and that's a lot how many times have you smoked or consumed and then went out and went wow i'm fucking high you know what i mean that's what i found out took away from hotels you know i needed to step back and enjoy my cannabis you know it wasn't the fact it wasn't working for me i wasn't stepping away and enjoying the cannabis the way i should be you know i even now what we're doing right now oh i'm fucking four joints in you know what i mean i can honestly say <laughs> this cannabis isn't affecting me is 
having as great of an impact on me as it could. But I guarantee if I were to leave my environment, go outside, smoke the same joint, and come back in and get back to this conversation, I'd be like, whoa, man, it's a little hot. You know what I mean? I've taken myself out of my environment, gave me a fresh start with it, you know what I mean? So, you know, there's there's something to be said on how you're consuming your cannabis. You need to kind of step back at some point and enjoy it the way it needs to be enjoyed. If it, if, if you're using it recreationally, that's how you're using it. Basically, it's the end of your day. You're wanting to unwind. You're stepping back, you know. So as a daily user, you know, that's how I think you should be using it. You should be stepping back to whatever you're currently doing taking that five and having a laugh and get back, get a fresh start again. Oh yeah, absolutely. Great dude though. I'm looking forward to um, speaking with him again Saturday. Yeah, he's a very good dude. I've never, never had a bad moment with that guy. He's been so helpful to me and my family, you know, um, he, he kind of introduced me to, to Jinx and, um, that's when I learned about Jinx and him having an autistic child. We have an autistic child as well. Um, and then we ended up doing like a, a fundraiser for autism um, for, for his uh, benefit that he has, the autism awareness benefit, Northwest Families for Autism. And uh, we raised some money for that. And just doing little things like this, you know, meeting new people and it brings about a new experience for you. Um, it's those connections that we make that are really important in keeping this, this community building healthy. And Hoda was kind of one of those first people that I connected a dot with, you know? And he was like, yeah, no, I can help you, man. That's all good. And I, I always, I'm always going to have some love in my heart for that guy. He's been a huge influence. Uh, Professor P has been Super a Super good dude, man. There's so many great people in this community. For sure. Everybody can I'm teach sorry. you something. No, you're good, man. You're good. Everybody can teach you something. Uh, you know, there's old people that could learn something from from guys that have never grown before. Um, well, that that's pretty extreme. You know what I'm saying. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll use this as an example. I had one good friend. There wasn't a lot of people in my immediate area um, that are growing. And a lot of people that are growing don't have any interest in, you know, learning it beyond throw it outside and water. Um, they're not going to be indoor growing and stuff. It's just not a huge thing in, in my area. Um, you go over to the west side of Washington, over towards Seattle, and you've got a ton of home growers. There's a huge community over there. So uh, I was having a lot of my seeds tested um, out of house by people that were already growing in indoor environments, you know, um, and I'd send out testers to them, you know, give me some feedback. Let me know what you, what you like about it. And I was, I saw them grown under scrog. I saw them grown, you know, fucking multi-top natural, you, you name it. I saw it. And one of the things that I learned about sending seeds out to testers was, you know what I appreciate? Yeah. I appreciate seeing my plants grown in a scrog style. I appreciate seeing them in SOG. I appreciate seeing them in multi-topped HPS grows, you know? But 
what really impresses me is when I see something I haven't seen before. That's that's the biggest thing. Have I seen this plant grown this way or not? And I had one guy that, you know, it was like his first time growing cannabis. And I was like, Do you, I got some seeds you can grow, you know. And he's like, oh, yeah, for sure. He goes, you made this one? I go, yeah. And I was like, and I told him that. I said, you know, I've had a lot of people testing these, but it kind of gets boring for me seeing my plants grown in the same way over and over again. You know, I'm, I'm more apt to go, what was that, you know? If you, if you surprise me with something I haven't seen before and this motherfucker, do you remember those old tomato topsy turvies? Fuck yeah, I do. I still got a 10 pack of the garage right now. <laughs> you don't know how many times I've looked at that things can go. I wonder if I can grow some weed in it. I bet it'd be fucking good. Yeah, that's what he fucking did. And he threw my seeds in it. He germinated them. Um, he planned them in there, he packed the soil, hung it up, and I saw my plant grow out of fucking topsy-turvy. That's awesome. Yeah, I'm glad somebody did it. And it was a shitty plant. <laughs> I'm not lie, it sucked. It sucked. Um, but I found it so damn cool just because it was something I haven't seen before, you know? And it's like, wow. Wow, this is how it reacts like that. Like, in what fucking world would I see the strain growing in a fucking topsy turvy, you know? So I got just gotta ask, just because ideas sake, because I had I have honestly thought about it a few times, but I thought to myself, man, because I've grown cucumbers and them tomatoes and them things, and eh, some you know were water once a day, tomatoes water one twice a day, but I figured cannabis I'd be like, man. <laughs> Twice a day, easy in the topsy turvy. You know what I mean. So was it a thing where it could have maybe not got watered as much as it needed? Oh yeah, no, no. That he, thing on a drip. He, 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 yeah, <laughs> he was a first year grower, um, and he wasn't like I said, he wasn't super into it. Like he wasn't in the garden every day. He wasn't that type of grower. Um, so. So he just didn't have the experience or anything. I think you could do better, absolutely. But, you know, and we see this in nature with everything else. As the roots grow down, you know, gravity is kind of pulling that root system down. Those roots are reaching out for water. And then the plant's going to kind of typically match that on top. Um, bigger roots, bigger fruits. But when you grow it in the topsy-turvy, you you know, your roots are already unnatural. They're going this way um, when, when gravity is kind of working against them. And then the drying of that long tube, you get drying from both ends. And then if you've got like the mesh ones, you kind of, it's like a smart pot. You get drying all around it, you know, kind of evenly toward, and then it kind of goes towards the center um, instead of like a nursery pot where it's top and bottom. Um, you kind of got this workaround from all edges. So yeah, I think you would need something like you were saying, like a drip system where it's staying a little bit wetter there. Especially here. It's fun to experiment with canvas. It really is. It's a resilient plan. I think so I like that type of stuff. Have you ever seen the cannabis bonsais? Like the people that was yes. so cool. 
I think I was talking about that. Uh, I think it was like last year, right around 420, making heart shaped fucking canvas plants and stuff like that. Why not? There's, so, See, there's even a guy on Instagram, I think his handle Stunted Art. Have you ever seen do you know do you know him at all? No. He grows he grows plants constantly. He's got a big old tray. And then he's got like those little like shot glass size solo cups. And he'll flower in those damn things. And he'll have like tons of these cells of like little five to eight milliliter solo cups. And he'll have just a bunch of string bean plants on it, you know, and he says himself, you know, yeah, I don't really yield shit on these, but that's not what it's about. It's the experience. It's having fun with it, you know, enjoying what I do. And yeah, he's known for flowering in solo cups and like a solo cup is a big pot for him. So it's cool seeing some of the shit that he can create. And he even does like shapes like a candelabra and stuff like that. Yeah, I could shout out people on Instagram all day. There's so many great growers over there. There it is, man. Uh, it's where I've obviously met quite a few people man, through the Instagram. Uh, there is there's a lot of great growers out there. And it's, it's nice to see. You know, I'm not a hater in any way. I love seeing the plant policy grown in any kind of way. You know, it's a beautiful thing. Yeah, and that's a saying that, you know, I find so much enjoyment from seeing people do things different. I think it's interesting, even if it's not something that I would do, I, I'm typically apt to learn something about it or read more about it if it's something that I've never heard of before. Or you're just doing something in a different way that I haven't seen before. That's the stuff that really impresses me. And that's one of the things that I'd really love to see for anybody that's listening, if you get some seeds from me, grow that shit as like a bonsai. <laughs> I want to see that. <laughs> would uh, the best op would the best way for it to start off on a bonsai like that be to almost to monster crop that girl? You know what I mean? Yeah, we, uh, that's a good idea. All see? back, all nice <laughs> and bushy. You could start, you know, really manipulating. Because you had so many branches to work with, you could really get, you know, manipulated at that point in a good direction. Yeah. And Miyagi, that shouldn't send me a picture. I'll be happy as a clown. <laughs> <laughs> All right, buddy. I think my time's about getting up here. Well, a couple of things before you go, brother. Uh, For sure. A. I don't know if you caught my episode with uh, Duke Diamond a couple weeks ago, but it was a fun uh, fuck. I think we all went. We went for a long time. Go back and check that out. It, nice. Oh, yeah. uh, you, if we missed some things in our two interviews there or something, you can ask him about on your next episode with him because he's a fucking fun dude. Uh, he's about to funny. release a Discord. For Sorry, I cut you off there. I, I was just going to say it's kind of funny. We've, we're uh, vibing with some of the same folks because Hotel will be on Saturday. Jinx will be on uh, not this Sunday, but the following Sunday. So uh, check out those episodes as well. But I'm, I'm straying from uh, my point in wasting your time. So 
No. What I want to tell you before before you go is uh, thank you very much for hanging out. Uh, there's three aspects of the show in building on the channel. So basically, there's the spotlight that we do. Uh, of course, Weed Nerd World and uh, the Organic Takeover with Smiley, where you know it gets real in depth about uh, what's going on in the soil, soil technique, and all that good stuff. But uh, what I'm inviting you to now is Weed Nerd World. Uh, since you've done the spotlight episode, the Zoom, Zoom link that I had sent you uh, is the same that I use for the Weed Nerd World. Basically, how the Weed Nerd World works is it is only open to past guests. You can come and go as you please. If you're following the channel, anytime it pops up and there is a Weed Nerd World uh, in the title, uh, you're more than welcome to come hang out, talk cannabis, promote uh, a future episode, uh, or whatever you're working on, uh, whatever, come hang out. Sometimes we're talking cannabis, sometimes we might be talking fungus, psychedelics, conspiracy, all the above. Stoners have a bouncy mind, so it yeah. is what it is. Uh, so basically, how again, it's 2 a.m. right now, close to there for my time. How We Nerd World works or this channel works is the guest takes it as far as we can go towards that 420 mark. And then when the show ends, I pick up and go with We Nerd World. So they're quite frequent. Monday nights are guaranteed We Nerd World. Wednesday nights is a little easy, uh, earlier. They do theirs at 1130. We Nerd World West Coast takeover on Wednesdays. So uh, come hang out, man. Uh, obviously, you've got a lot of knowledge to share. Uh, you like talking with other people, meeting connections. As you know very much, uh, networking is key in cannabis and podcasting. So the more folks you meet, the better. And there is a so many breeders, since that is a lot of what you do. Uh, they've been on this channel, man, and they come and go quite frequently. So come hang out you know it'd be nice uh yeah absolutely so, absolutely i've been you. interviewed by a few people and you're definitely one of the one of the better conversations that i've had man i really vibe with you and i appreciate your time i appreciate yours brother the last thing i'd like to get from you uh before you go is a sound bite. I kind of use these sound bites for like a commercial for your episode at some point. <laughs> Never done a sound. So, bas so basically what I'm looking for, the meat of it, you can do whatever you want before, after, I don't give a shit as long as it's kind of got this in the body. My version, hey, this is Eagle and I'm on fucking talking shit with Eagle. Episode 573. Again, you can do whatever you want before or after, as long as it's got somewhat that somewhere in there. Uh, I'm ready for you now, brother. Wait, so I'm just uh <laughs> what am I gonna <laughs> <laughs> I'm a few droids, so I'm not gonna lie. That's uh, basically <laughs> I'm asking you for your sound bite, basically telling them what show you're on, okay. what episode. Okay, what episode is it? So, 
573. 573. Okay. Something away, bro. Oh, we're over here. <laughs> <laughs> this is Doc Calix, and I'm on Talking Shit with Eagle. Fucking Talking Shit with Eagle. Episode number 573. I had a great time talking to him. I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. Fuck yeah, they did, man. We've had close to 100 watching us at one point. There's still fucking 87 watching right now live. They have had a great time enjoying this conversation. So did, man. <laughs> I hope that uh, you do come back and hang out, man. They, they, they've enjoyed your company, man. People like to stand by, behind people they've gotten to know. You know what I mean? And yeah. uh, so... We've gotten to know a great guy tonight. Please come back. Um, one other thing I want you to tell them about the podcast. When can they catch it? When can they look for it? Where is it available, my friend? So I only started the podcast about seven months ago. And it was right now I'm working a full-time job. I've got four kids that me and my wife raised um and i do this on top of it so it's been one of these things where like you know i've worked my whole life so i don't really care too much um but i'm trying to balance this act where eventually i can podcast full time um so i have a patreon it's patreon.com forward slash doc underscore calyx um you can join membership support the show with ten dollars a month um i try to make it as affordable as possible um, they get Q&As with the podcast guests. They get behind-the-scenes content. Um, they get full access to our Discord server that's got 163 channels all about growing cannabis, um, medical use of cannabis growing in different styles, synthetic, organic. We've got all kinds of specialists. It's pretty damn good time. Really good vibes. People that just want to see each other succeed, like I said before. And I've got to shout out all, all the people helping me over there. I've got a great group of guys. Um, but they can find the podcast on YouTube, Deezer, Stitcher, all major platforms. Um, we're dropping them about one podcast a month. Sometimes I'm, I'm shooting for two. We're kind of switching over to like a bi-weekly release. Um, but we do that. And then we play game day giveaways where they can win seeds and stuff like that. Um, it's a really good time. Um, so, yeah, they can check it out all over. It's pretty much everywhere. YouTube is the, the popular one. YouTube and Spotify are super popular. And I would stress, because I am super like underdog here, um, and I've, I'm not good at marketing myself at all, but uh, I'm getting better. I'm getting better. I'm learning. Um, just like if you like it, take the time to, you know, like leave a thumbs up, subscribe to it. Um, tell me what you thought about the show. Because that that's what really helps us get our name out there and get seen, you know. Podcasts don't get very good views. <laughs> it's really hard to, to make a goddamn good podcast. And yours is. I, I've listened to a few of them. And that's why I'm trying to, you know, plug you out, brother, to be honest with you. Because it is a nice, genuine, good-hearted conversation. Informational and base. You know, it is a lot of bullshit. It's a lot of good information being put forward and asked, you know. So, you know, 
I'm all about support. Like I told you that off air, man. I'm all about supporting other shows and helping them get started. So if I can help you at any point, you know, look down the channel. I've talked to about every breeder that I can we can uncover so far. And I'm willing to talk to all the rest of them. If I can now help you at any point, you know, get your word out, promote your show. You know, I appreciate don't that. feel don't be afraid to hit me up, brother. Don't be afraid to come back and hang out, man. Don't you know. don't it don't have to be all publicity, man. Just be a part of the community, man. That's why I like one thing I liked like about what you said about your Discord is one thing that happens right here in this community. And the people that hang out here in the weed nerd world and shit is the hellos. How you doing? Each one of these people, if you go by and watch these shows and watch tonight's show, because watch the chat everybody greets everybody hello how you doing it's a big part of you know keeping the heart of the community so i appreciated that man i was cheesy when you said that i'm like man i i hate I, i'm not gonna lie to you bro i hate discord and it ain't about what you do or whatever it just kids super clicky that's the only thing i don't like about discord but uh, yeah, okay. you're the way you talked about your in particular community, and Kazoo Kush was giving you props in uh, chat there saying right, that he runs a legit. Uh, over there, he said uh, you run a legit Discord over there. So between the two, uh, makes me want to at least check it out, man. So I invite everybody else to go over and check out this Discord as well because you didn't plug that. It's well, yeah. Go over there and check them out over there as well. Do you guys over there at Discord? So I'm getting good at this just because I've had to remember it so much. It's a uh, discord.gg forward slash calyx underscore score crew underscore podcast. No, fuck no, it's just calyx crew podcast without any underscores. One word calyx crew podcast or the easy route, which I like better. You go to my IG profile. There's a link in my bio that you can click that will guide you to the podcast. It'll guide you to our websites. All of our connections, everything is in one fucking link right there. Um, and it's funny that you were saying that you hated Discord because a big reason that I wanted to start that Discord is because I hated IG. <laughs> you know, I, I was so shat. For years over there, we would do live shows and we'd have hundreds of people on there and we'd get you know, when you got that many people going, you've got conversation rolling in the comments. It's really interactive. It's really fun. And then all of a sudden you get like three photos banned or whatever. You go live and there's like three people in there because nobody's even seeing your shit. And then they're also deleting your content on top of that. Or it's like go into a live show and get kicked off within 30 minutes for some stupid and uh, I just got tired of it. So it's like, okay, I'm ready for something else. And then we discovered the Discord and I really took my time putting it together to kind of include everything in there for, you know, there's something for everybody. We've got games. Um, I, I was saying Duke too. I really want to plug Duke because he's been a good, good friend to me and I appreciate his company. Um, but one of the things I was doing is he saw my discord and even he said, wow, this is fucking, you know, this is kind of mind blowing, you know, what you've created here. Um, so I took the time out of my day because, you know, building that community uh, Duke really helped me out, took his time to come on the podcast, gave us good information. And then we started talking like every day after that, and we just vibed together. And I was like, hey, man, I can help you out in this way. So went over there and started building a discord for him, too. So he's going to have one here pretty soon, too. And it's kind of 
you know, based off the style that I did mine with, so it should be good. <laughs> so I'll plug both the discords right there, but that will be coming soon. It's not out yet. Well, like I said, hopefully that you uh, guys go there and check out the show and the Discord. And hopefully one last plea to get you to come hang out on the We Nerd World as well. Come spread out a little bit of knowledge and personality. Uh, sure. some points I'd like to ask you at some point about that guitar and the music you possibly play. <laughs> because <laughs> music yep. and cannabis go hand in hand. Fuck yeah, uh, I've, been, I've been a musician my whole life. Right now. We're trying to, I don't, you said Washington. We're actually trying to put together uh, like a music and cannabis type of event here in Michigan, like where we call, like you got your instrument and put up multiple stages and everybody just a camping event kind of jam. And yeah, fucking hang out for That'd be dope, dude. So, I've been, I've been trying to out for like that. that. Yeah, dude. When I was a teenager, like, I've got a pretty large collection for that. I started playing, I was playing saxophone when I was a little kid. I always thought saxophone was so fucking sexy. Like, you know, anybody that could play saxophone could get chicks. So <laughs> that was my thing. Uh, so I played saxophone for like a ton of years. I learned piano for a little while. I always thought piano was a beautiful instrument. Um, and my mom played piano. So I learned a little bit on there. Um, and then I really got into drums. I thought Dave Grohl was a fucking badass. So um, I really like drums, but I wasn't, I'm not like that. I don't know. It's a lot. Drumming's a lot. And it's a lot of exercise too. <laughs> so I was like, yeah. And my brother got a guitar one day and I was so jealous because, you know, he, he might've been playing a few crappy notes from some Led Zeppelin song and, you know, he was new at it too, but I was so jealous because it was a fucking rock and roll guitar. And uh, I, I got a copy of, uh, what was it, Guitars? No, it wasn't Guitar Center. It was uh, Musician's Friend, Musician's Friend magazine, um, when those first started coming out. And I, I was really into Pantera back then. And I saw that they had a, a Dimebag Daryl MLX. And so I was like, and it was, it was a base model. It was a Starburst one. He wasn't dead yet, so they weren't marked up in price or nothing. And I was like, it was only like 350 bucks. And I was like, I'm just going to work my ass off and I'm going to fucking buy a dime bag guitar and just make my brother jealous as shit. Like, <laughs> we were typical brothers, you know? And, uh, but then after I got it, you know, I had to work so hard to get it. it I actually took the time to learn it. And I just kind of taught myself how to play guitar. I was probably 12 when I started playing, um, 14 when I got my first guitar. Man, uh, that one's not the that's, MLX, awesome. though. that's the V. I believe uh, Ross Rasufa in chat is asking, is that uh, flying by Dean? Is that a flying V by Dean? It is a V, the Dean V. I don't know where the MLX is. It's probably, oh, it's across the room over there. <laughs> yeah. See, I've that's another cool thing about getting a, a Randall amp, too. <laughs> I'm a huge Dimebag fan. 
that's the other nice thing about doing these episodes where you dive a little bit deeper into the cannabis uh, person that you see, man, is because they have self-interest, man. I guarantee, because I know for a fact a lot of people that hang out in the community play either bass, guitar, you're just self-bonded. <laughs> you yeah. know what I mean? You just sub bonded in the community. You just probably fucking got a bunch of people in Discord and shit. Hell yeah. That's what you I love about this, that. man. No, I don't, man. I mess around a little bit with guitar and that's as far as I get. But man, my daughter is like you. She picked it up at 12 years old and has been self taught and has moved her way through the instruments. You know, I have done but respect for people that play, man. It's it's a beautiful thing. It takes your mind to a new creative place that most people can't go. And see, I'm kind of big on manifest, manifestation. So uh, it's one of those things, man. If you can't see it in your mind and put it together in your mind, that's going to have a chance. And the more artistic ability you have, the better chance you have of cleaning goals and stuff like that. So I appreciate people that have a uh, natural artistic ability. I believe it, it gives them a, a little bit of a step up in, in life. And I think one I think that's where people go wrong, bro, to be honest with you, is they grow up and they lose that creative side, that imaginary imagination side of life. They're too busy being told what to do. You know, they don't take those hota moments where they step outside and just let their mind go and fuck it. You know what I mean? Let, yeah. let nature be nature. Let your mind go to new places without them being told. Yeah, just that, just the action of breathing alone is gonna do wonders for you. I know, and everybody's human, you know, we all get upset, we all fucking stress out. That's the weird, that's how we're built. That's what's gonna happen, you know? Sometimes things get overwhelming, you get stressed out and you just, but just taking that second, that action to, you know, calm down, de-stress, I call it deflating. When we roll up and light up a joint, we gotta deflate for a second. We're just going to not think about it. We're going to take time and just enjoy where we're at. Enjoy, you know, what we see before us, you know, the views that we see outside of our house. Maybe go out one day into the forest and just fucking appreciate nature, you know. Just not think about anything for a second. Just take it slow. It's okay to take those breaks every once in a while, and it's really resetting. I noticed that you were talking about with your, uh, your Weed World group or the Weed Nerd group, uh, was that you were saying you incorporated fungus in there as well. And I'm a huge, huge supporter of that as well. You know, I think it's something that that should be used as a targeted uh, medicine for sure. Um, but it's something that can be extremely healing for people. I totally agree. So it sounds like there's many reasons you could come hang out at the show. <laughs> Again, I think we've we found a lot of good reasons for you to come back and check out the Weed Nerd Room. Oh, for sure, man. For sure. I appreciate you having okay. me on, and I appreciate your time, brother. Like, uh, it, it's cool that 
I've kind of followed you for all these years and, you know, seen what you've been doing. And I finally got, you know, you're doing this now all of a sudden and you're on 500 something episodes. Holy crap, man. I remember when I first heard about fucking talking shit with the Eagle, you know, and I, I think it's really cool that you've done all this, you know, and you're doing so much for the community now. And I finally got a chance to meet you and we just vibe like this. And, you know, obviously there's a reason we cross paths and I appreciate that reason. I thank you, man. I thank you for following along all these years, man. Uh, it's been an awesome journey, man. Cannabis, I can't say enough about cannabis. And people like yourself that are promoting what we do, man. So, and I got much respect for, I can't do what you're doing. Man. Otherwise, I wouldn't ask. So, <laughs> thanks, man. And again, I, I, I offer that serious olive branch, man. If I can help you in any kind of way, man, I'm more willing. So, Much respect. With that being said, I know you uh, said you were kind of crunching on time tonight. I don't want to overstay my welcome. So you'd be more apt to come back. Come back. But yeah, no, I do got to get going. But there was no rush, man. We're vibing and it was a great time. By far one of the best interviews I've had. So thank you for that. Well, for the rest of you guys, if you're not going to follow over into the weed nerd world, which I'm sure most of you will, uh, thank you for your oh, time. Shit. Am I too high? Sorry. You were talking about doing that tonight? Yeah, I do it every night. Oh, fuck. Well, yeah, no, I can't tonight, man. You know, uh, oh, I, no, well, I, you don't I, have I, to, I but. That's that's the beauty of the weed nerd world. It's come and go as you please, man. It don't have to be the night. It's whenever the fuck you do. You don't, no invitation. You come and go as you please. That's the one thing about the weed nerd world. It's an ever-evolving panel. You never know who's coming and going. You know, it's... So where do you put up the links for this? They're all on the channel. They're all on the channel. Basically, you know, what's funny is you, we talk about the 573, uh, the weed nerd worlds mostly are 0.5s. So they're not even in that count. There's probably three, 400 weed nerd world episodes that are buried in between those numbers in 0.5s. Oh, man. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> Seems like every single episode I've watched of yours has been somebody else. So I didn't connect that up. No, Smiley's Garden. Is that all? Smiley's Garden, you've done quite a few with him. Yeah, he does the organic takeover. He does a one-on-one -on -one like this, but straight up organic, serious grow. But yeah, every night, if uh, we don't go the full distance till 420, that's my allotted time slot. That's what I put forth every night for this, 1130 to 420. And so when this ends, yeah, guaranteed, there's going to be a weed nerd world. Shit, with the last couple nights... The they went till eight o'clock in the morning the other night. Last night we went till six. Man, sometimes man, they go. I they I've done probably in the last two years. Uh I'm approaching March 25th. It will be year the start of year three of this project. I've done wow. man, that's a lot five, of five five 24-hour episodes. This 420, I'm doing another 24-hour episode. Uh, 
So that'll be the third annual 420 24-hour episode of this year. Yeah. Damn, dude. Three, it's been three years already. Shit. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> oh, my bastard. <laughs> yeah, man. It's been awesome getting to meet you know, folks like yourself, man. I, I was thinking, you know, as we were talking, because you do do most, uh, you spotlight kind of on the breeder side of things. Uh, okay, let's which, stop this. Let's, let's stop this. Let's butt this in the head right now because people give me this all the time. <laughs> when I started this, um, my intention was never to be a breeder stop spotlight at all. It was like, I, I already have all these connections. I know so many fucking interesting people in the cannabis community um, that don't get their voices heard like you're kind of doing for me right now and fucking appreciate it again, you know, but there's so many people like I get new growers in there like, oh, I bought I love growing marijuana seeds. I bought Crop King. I bought, you know, and I'm like, oh. <laughs> makes me twinge a little bit. I'm happy you're growing. It's awesome, but we can do better, you know? <laughs> and uh, so I, there's a lot of people that are taking the time to breed really good genetics. And like you were saying earlier, there's a huge influx of people that don't give a flying fuck for anything but your money, you know? And I think it's the responsible thing for, you know, growers that know better to kind of put your arm around a new grower and help them out. You're not helping them out by dissing their grow and pull, picking it apart and saying you're stupid for this or you fucked up for this. No, you know, if you have the time to take out to say that to somebody, then you have the time to tell them, you know, hey, let me know what's going on with your environment. Let me know a little bit more about your growth style. Let's figure this out. That's how I feel about it, you know. Um, so I, I, I think it's a good thing what you're doing here, just like me. Um, but with the breeding thing, it was like I really want to spotlight some of these guys that don't get a voice as much, or even just friends of mine that I vibe with. You know, I've known P for years now, and that's one of the greatest fucking. I, I can't say enough about that guy. One of the greatest human beings I've ever met in my life, um, and he's been nothing but helpful. You know. And, you know, just exposing people to him. And it just happened to be that a lot of my friends that were available that I knew were just naturally breeders because a lot of the questions I was asking at the time or, you know, was from breeders. Um, so then I tried to mix it up. I did like the, the cooking episode, by the way, we were talking about like not eating sugars, eating healthier, really caring about your gut biome. I did an episode with Chef Sebastian Carosi. I don't know if he caught that one, but he really talked about like, you don't need sugar. He put an emphasis on that. You do not need to infuse shit with sugar. There's so many different ways that you can use this plant. Um, one of the coolest things I thought was, or heard from him was that he was in like pickling. He was taking lowers off his plants if he had any smaller nuggets and he was pickling them. Obviously you're infusing vinegar when you pickle something, right? Like, and he, he's like the texture of them. And I still haven't done it yet, but I really want to pickle. I don't know about you, but I love pickled asparagus. I love sauerkraut. Uh, like that's my shit. I'm into ferments. I'm a KNF guy, you know, it just comes natural. <laughs> but uh, 
that that's something that I really wanted to try was like pickled cannabis buds. Not only is is the liquid already infused um, because that vinegar broke down, you know, all the cannabinoids um, and infused them in the vinegar, but then you're absorbing that as well. You don't really have to do anything. It's pretty incredible. There's no sugar involved. You can enjoy it. Never really thought about that, but uh, I do love pickles. And there is a lady that a past guest, Crispy Tree Kitchens, uh, who we went down to Clio this last event they had. She had some pickles. It wasn't necessarily pickle buds, like there was pieces of bud in there, but there was it was more just pickles. And I said, "What? I'm talking pickles." hit strong and they hit fast <laughs> <laughs> i was amazed at how fucking fast they actually hit these pickles has to all right buddy i better get going right huh? yeah for almost five and too good we could do this all night you guys so right. thank we you will. for your we'll, time we'll, brother we'll do a longer episode if, if you're down for it i am i am you have a good night, brother, and I thank you for your time. And, uh, for years, man. Rest, you guys, no deal. Random acts of kindness do save lives. Do something nice for somebody. We are out.